Wall Street strikes again, DC beats Marvel at the TV game across two decades, and Martin Scorsese and Cameron Crowe make their greatest movies. Now go and get your shine box, it's 30 2010! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine each week, celebrating the 30th, 20th, and 10th anniversaries of some of our favorite movies, TV shows, video games, music, and so very much more. <gasps> Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Santista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and my wigs don't come off. Not even in water! <laughs> <laughs> and it's me, Sarah, and I need my hat. I want my money today. God, <laughs> I hate hat. her so much. I hate her so much. I won't fly without it. I won't uh, fly without <laughs> my hat. Uh, and in case that wasn't clear, I, I don't know that I've ever teased a show like this before. I think two of the greatest movies ever made are on... Oh. on yeah. We're gonna fight about Cameron Crowe <clears throat> on the docket this week. Uh, I, I just I, I rarely ever feel that way, and, and having rewatched them both, I, I couldn't be more excited to talk to you guys. But of, of course, yeah. and they they have a lot in common, but we also have a bunch of hidden gems in here, yes. some weird uh-huh. things, and uh-huh. some TV, and it, it it is it is a vast buffet this week, yeah. and I am so excited. Yeah, like just we hit we hit in the, the, the final segment, we hit one of the weirdest points of convergence of media that it, it's so strange uh and i've got, but without with all that other way i gotta say right off the bat this show is executive produced by nick creature and many other fine folks at patreon.com slash laser time we got a brand new uh extended look at the 30 2010 games of last month uh with our special buddy chris baker and the boys from video game apocalypse and uh new brand new sick of star wars hopefully a new bonus time there is so much bonus stuff going on over at patreon.com slash laser time uh, whatever you can part with, we encourage you to give five bucks. If you can't, we understand. We know that. Um, but thank you so much uh, for, uh, to people like Nick Creature for their support at patreon.com slash laser time, supporting the whole laser time network. Anywho, oh my God. If you don't know what 302010 does, sit down, open up a little portal through time, one thirty years ago, one twenty years ago, one ten years ago, and we will be recording from September 18th through the 24th in 1990, 2000, and 2010. We'll tell you about all the cool stuff that came out around that time. All right, so with that out of the way, without further ado, let's get into 1990, September 18th to the 24th, bringing you in with a little bit of news. Oh, God, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Uh, gas prices have hit an earth-shattering $1.38 a gallon in 1990. <gasps> no! Gas. Gas. Uh, but- my car only gets six miles to the gallon. And I, I, I got a car, I guess, around like like gasoline being a little more worthless and then a pandemic for the first time in like 15 years. So like gas is still pretty fucking cheap compared to everything else. Everything else has tripled in price and gas hasn't. And I, I just had a, a note I deleted from there. I'm like... Maybe that war for oil was worth it. This gas is still pretty fucking cheap. Yeah, sure. Gas is still pretty goddamn cheap. Even the, gas hey, and the minimum wage. Hey, I drive an old mm-hmm. hybrid. I'm trying to lessen my reliance on fossil fuels. Leave me alone. At Diana, she'll 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 apologize. <laughs> um, uh, oh, come on, I drive a 20 year old car, man. <laughs> I think oh, you get a new I, one. Mine's 10 years old, so I feel pretty good about that. Hey, and I I'm at the year, and I'm in California, so they have to smog it every single year. Oh no! And about half the time they test it again because they don't believe the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Toyota Corona for life. Run it again. Oh my God. And the, the movies this week, I, I wish everything would get out of the way, but uh, we have a job to do and tell you what actually came out uh, 30 years ago this week. An Angel at My Table starring Carrie Fox. Those are all new words yes. to me. Uh, this is a wonderful movie by Jane Campion. Uh, it oh. was the first, I just found out it was the first movie from New Zealand to show at the Venice Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And it like won a whole pile of awards. It's Crikey. really good. <laughs> Core <Cool>, uh, <laughs> It's, I mean, technically a biopic, but it's about this writer and like her struggles with her family and then with uh, mental illness. And it is gorgeous to look at, really well acted. And um, I actually watched it in film school and, and quite enjoyed it. Wham. So, yeah, an angel at my table. Not not for everyone, not for, you know, date night party mood, but really good. Same I, with the next movie, The Field. I just I just like we tease what we're talking about up front. Hopefully you got it. It's one of my favorite movies ever made, but I didn't see it in theaters. And I just can't imagine were people getting out of the way of the number one movie at the box office. This is all stuff I've never heard of. Yeah. Before today. Yeah. Well, Angel and My Table in the Field are both foreign. Okay. And then we'll get into the the rest of them. So The Field is an Irish movie starring Richard Harris as oh, a very sure. very grumpy man who loves his field so much and they're trying to they're trying to take his land away and uh son Sean Bean's going to go out there and fight a guy over the land and does Sean Bean die at the end? Yeah, he does actually. So, <laughs> let's let's be respectful, Sean Bond. Sean Bond. Sean Bond. But uh, Richard Harris is fantastic in it. And it's another one. Well, well, that's lots of green rolling hills, just kind of like Angel at My Table. Um, it It is very good. And it makes you angry on behalf of Ireland, mm. I guess. Yeah. Already was. Way that's cool. Yeah. I just I haven't had enough things to be angry about recently. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Good to know. Yeah. You should also be angry at Funny About Love starring Gene Wilder. Yeah. Oh. I feel like we're all like one, one step away from applying for refugee status in Ireland. So I'm not going to shit on uh, uh, Yeah. Oh, God. I know. I'm being extra nice to my Canadian relatives right now. Yeah, funny about love. Woof, this get panned. And Yikes. it's directed by Leonard Nimoy, who was hmm. coming off of Three Men, Three Men and a three? Baby. Yeah, wow. Big, big hit. But it's about uh, Gene Wilder and Christine Lottie are a couple, and, and she's got the baby fever, and he's so scared about it. And then he goes off and has an affair with Mary Stuart Masterson. And, ah. Yuck. Oh, <laughs> it's got something. I think it has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, no. I, I think it's it's one of those things that, I mean, I wasn't around to like appreciate Gene Wilder while he was working a lot, but like Mel Brooks, Willy Wonka, I got n- almost no time for anything. And Richard Pryor and anything that does involve mm-hmm. those three people, I- I'm not watching it. It's usually terrible. Sorry, yeah. Gene Wilder. Um, this is true. And then uh, Don't Tell Her It's Me, a.k.a. The Boyfriend School, starring, <laughs> starring You Had Me, it's starring Steve Gutenberg, Jamie Gertz, Shelley Long, and Kyle McLaughlin. We do have a little oh. clip of that one. Oh my. I can make Emily fall in love with you. Because with a little help. Making love is like building a barbecue fire. A little sweat. What we're going to need is instant devastation. And a lot of hair. Yes! You can win the girl you love over. If you're Lobo. If I still use Twitter, that would be my new profile pic. He is Steve Gutenberg, the Goot, is full Lorenzo Lamas. Oh, my God, Mahoney. Oh, he is fully mulleted out, and he is doing a bad Kiwi accent and going by Lobo. Oh, no. So this, this was on, how did this get made a couple, like yeah, a month or two ago? Like very recently. And they were going off about what the living, f- this is the weirdest movie 
ever. Mm-hmm. So Steve Gutenberg is like a nice guy who's just beaten like Hodgkins and his <sighs> sister Shelley Long, who's a romance novelist. And so she remakes him so he can get with Jamie Gertz, the girl he has a crush on. And Gertz. she does this by turning him into uh, the most mulleted guy in the world named Lobo. Yuck. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't tell I her. I highly it's recommend me. listening to, to the How Did This Get Made? I'm not watching the movie. So funny. And I mean, it's a shame because I love everybody in this. I mean, yeah. all really fun, like kind of character actors, mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. verging on, you know? Yeah. And uh, uh, the final movie before the movie, I, the only movie I care about in 1990, September 18th to the 24th, Narrow Margin, starring Gene Hackman, Ann Archer, JT Walsh, and Emmett Walsh, the Walshes. Can Finally. You, can you believe it? M. Emmett lived, outlived J.T.? That wouldn't have seemed possible. I saw a man get murdered. You get on the train, lock the door. This year, the name for suspense. They got automatic weapons. If they see you, they're going to kill you. Is narrow margin. The people I work for want the woman. What woman? This is my life we're dealing with. Gene Hackman. We can't get off the train. Ann Archer. I don't want to die. Narrow margin. Starts Friday, September 21st. Thanks. Cincinnati YouTuber. Um, Narrow Margin. Okay, I was not paying attention. It's okay. I mean, it's a thriller. It's a remake of a movie from the 30s. You know, it's, uh, they gotta play cat and mouse with bad guys on a train. Of course, don't tell her it's me as on Tubi. Of course it is. Of course it is. We go two for three on Gene Hackman this week. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, this is true. We've had very rare coast-to-coast champions, I believe. Dave Rudd and me, proud of me for calling. It, are we yeah, done there? So everyone, get the fuck out of the way. <gasps> oh, we can talk okay. about American Classic. Yeah, I, don't, I wonder how many people I could fucking name before we get to the people above the title. Uh, yeah. um, Michael Imperioli. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tony Sirico. Yeah. Uh, shit. Uh, Vito. <laughs> I don't remember the actor's name. <laughs> Um, just name the Sopranos characters. Yeah, basically. there's like I think there's nine Sopranos characters in this movie. Yeah. Well, let's be fair and get this out of the way right now. There Eddie would Youngman. be no Sopranos without Goodfellas. Yep. Agree. Yeah. A hard agree. And that's yeah, Diana spoiled it. Paul Sorvino, Lorraine Bracco, Joe Pesci, Ray Liotta, and Robert De Niro. Number one at the box office this week: a little film called Goodfellas. From taxi driver to raging bull, he looked inside a world few had ever seen. Did you know how these people live? (laughs) Now, director Martin Scorsese brings the underworld to life. I don't know if I could live like that. Rex Reed calls Goodfellas great entertainment. One of Scorsese's best films ever. Big, rich, powerful, and explosive. Goodfellas, rated R. Aren't trying to, you know. <laughs> Based on the book Wise Guy by Nicholas Pileggi, I'm only saying that so I can remember his name as we talk about this, one of the greatest films ever made, and I, I'm just done apologizing for its awful fans. Like, uh, I can separate mm. Rick and Morty from its awful fans, and I can separate it from douchebags who yell Goodfellas lines when they're really drunk. And it, it's been a long time. I don't think young younger people give a shit about Goodfellas. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's really only, like, the guys that we hung around that say that. I don't think younger people I think I showed about. I think I showed you this for the first time Sarah like 20 years ago I'm pretty you, sure you never did. seen it <laughs> you gotta see one of my favorite movies um and and yeah I discovered it I lived I don't remember seeing a trailer for it I don't remember seeing uh my dad didn't show it to me I just lived through the references and I didn't mm-hmm. discover it until the advent of DVD and I'm like 
this is fucking incredible. And I saw, <laughs> and I, I saw, I saw Roger Ebert like, this is the best mob movie. Sorry, Godfather. And I'm just like, I'm glad you say it because every time I do, I saw the Godfather after this, and it's like, this is such a breakneck, just a complete breakthrough in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Francis yeah. Ford Coppola, it, it, and I can appreciate it because I'm fucking Italian, and it's a big giant jerk sesh all over my, all over the guillomes of my people, and it's like, and that's nice, it, but like this is this changed movie making forever, mm-hmm. and the best I could find in my research, I think. Like uh, Martin Scorsese had just directed like Last Temptation of Christ and New York Stories and was kind of like, I don't have a lot of interest in mob movies or even De Niro or even writing movies. But he decided to like take a stab at this. And I think he had thought about doing it as a documentary. And I think trying to put it together with archival footage and move around a lot ended up creating what we take for granted now as one of the most modernly paced movies of my lifetime. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's oh, the difference. I'm oh, sorry. I was just gonna say the difference to me when you watch God- Goodfellas versus um, mm. almost said Sopranos, mm. um, The Godfather is that The Godfather feels like a fairy tale yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. it's it's an origin story in a way for the way that we think of the mob, the mafia, and it's much dreamier and it's much to me and it's just much more it's, it's like a fairy tale it's like happening to people that died a long time ago da, da, da. Yeah. but goodfellas is like this is what it was really like this is how gross and nasty it got yeah, you I know mean, like, like this it, is like, the reality in contrast that's, to- that's the thing that i i love about it that it, yeah. it puts it ahead of so many other mob related things for me is because so much of it is about the mundanity mm-hmm. of that this is their job is yeah. stealing and burning down places for the insurance money and these like shitty small time rackets and that we because we spend time with the mob wives uh, you know and and things when when things aren't being glamorous and crazy they spit on their own floor Get on the floor. You know, like we we get to deal with her dealing with like the agents coming serving a search warrant. She like offers them coffee mm-hmm. and then goes and sits and watch the jazz singer with the baby for some reason. Yeah, you yeah, know, it, it's it, about how all these little mundane day to day life things it, without ever getting boring. Yeah, in in, in contrast to Godfather and and maybe even The Sopranos, they sit around and talk about you don't talk to a person like like all these repercussions. Whereas like part of why the movie is is pretty nerve wracking is that at no point do, does anybody examine any consequences of anything that they're doing. They, no. they're living at the, at the speed of light and don't give a shit about mm, like no. they had assumed they'll never be caught. And that's like, no, the, the only consequences. All right, well you have to dig the hole this time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's the closest anyone ever. And then Godfather, saying, there's hey, so much you talking. You shouldn't have shot that innocent person. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Spider was right. Go fuck yourself, Tommy. But, Go fuck yeah. Yourself. That well, okay. First of all, just as a side note, is the dad is real Ray Liotta's dad in this played by um, J. Walter Weatherman? I don't know. No, and that's the why you I, don't. That's why you never join the mob. I'm sorry, it looks just like him. I had to. I forgot to look it up when I was watching it, though. Anyways. No, but but Joe Pesci's mom is played by Martin Scorsese's mom. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> one dog looking one way, one up. dog looking. That's a, there's there's very few movies that. I mean, the people I'm talking to, Sarah and Diana, have divergent tastes for me. I can, every line of this movie is great to me. Uh-huh. It's, it's fucking Star Wars. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is interesting that, yeah, this movie does have some shitty fans. Mm-hmm. Just, just like Scarface and Fight Club have shitty fans. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, Scarface is the one that has the most 
in common with. And it's like, you just liked the first half and you weren't paying attention when things got bad. Mm -hmm. These are not good characters to emulate. This yeah. whole time, all of these characters are pieces of shit. And you're supposed to know that from the beginning. I watched Goodfellas now as like a 40-year-old. And I'm just like, man, to, ha to have put away some of that fucking money and not had the gleaming rock wall reveal my 13-inch television. <laughs> Holy shit. I could live like a god forever if I was just a little, if I was careful. I wish I had this job now. Not this, which now I have the, yeah. the saw-stirring job. I'm yeah, Kevin Morgan. The thing is that they they think like, oh, you know, we're we're wise guys. We're smarter than everyone else. They mm -hmm. got to scrabble to get ahead. It's like you guys are constantly worried that your best yes. friend is about to murder you. Yeah, and he is. That is so wild to me. Like when they're talking about, Thousand. oh, we have it so much easier just because they like don't have to pay their bar tabs basically, and like you know their wives can like get their nails done every week but yeah you're constantly worried about death i like, would i don't know around the corner it to me it looks like a well-dressed like three decade bender like i don't care if the lights are go out immediately <laughs> at some point during that that'd be great i would i would be happy if my life ended up like that yeah I so we've, we've barely talked about what the movie is about good fellas uh, it is, it's about uh, henry hill who worked for lucchese crime family and then turned state's evidence and there he wrote a book and went, had to go into witness protection and got thrown out of witness protection and then would call the Howard Stern show sometimes. <laughs> I, I went looking for clips because like uh, Ray Liotta said, I studied a bunch of FBI tapes so I could just really nail down that voice. And like I even told you guys, hold on, I need five minutes. I'm going to fucking find. No, Ray Liotta sounds very Ray Liotta in this movie. <laughs> he does not sound anything like Henry Hill, who, by the way, we teased a little earlier. This is the second movie of 1990 based on the life of Henry Hill. Well, even though My Blue Heaven is based on Henry Hill situation, um, but not necessarily on the book. Did it option the book? No. Okay. I don't think so. But it's written by Nicholas Pelleggi's wife, Nora Ephron. Yes. So I feel like it's in the family. Yeah, it's, it's based on like, what if this happened to Henry Hill, whereas this is the story of Henry Hill, a guy, an interesting story too, a guy who's not Italian enough to be at the top of the mob food chain but very beloved within that food chain for being a productive person uh but also the it, like being the one to take down not just the mob but like all his fucking friends to live his life like a schnook he deserves egg yep. noodles and ketchup he <laughs> yeah but i mean it covers I don't know, 20 years 25 mm -hmm. years and it never slows down and that's a, yeah. i think scorsese but described it as a two and a half hour trailer it, yeah it, 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 it does it never feels like frantic except for when it's supposed to because yeah, it's super say. coked up Ooh, yeah um but you know i rewatched i've seen this movie probably at least a dozen times rewatching it and keeping an eye for like well why does it have this feeling realize that camera almost never stops moving yep. it is dollying and panning and we are using first person perspective a lot to mm -hmm. make us feel like we're really there and sometimes the voiceover is like talking to us and sometimes we get multiple perspectives in voiceover mm -hmm. and It'll freeze frame to make sure we understand a point right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving on. Mm -hmm. And I believe for, yeah. for Scorsese's career, he said this came along at a time in his life when he thought he was done with this stuff. But then, like, you know, the life of Italian-Americans telling a story like that always kind of gravitated towards. And I, I, if that didn't make sense, I think he said he was talking about making it a documentary. It's a kind of storytelling you take for granted in a documentary. They, just, they could throw to stills across decades while someone's narrating. That I think that kind of dictated the pace of the movie. Scorsese had not written a movie since Mean Streets, 
and he storyboarded yeah. the whole fucking thing because it is. If you don't love the movie, watch next time you watch it. Please tip your hat to how elaborately it is made. And like, um, and I, I was trying to look up the shoot. No, no, no. How long was the shoot? I can see it's the most expensive Scorsese movie ever made at twenty five million nineteen ninety dollars. But like, there are so many shots. Like, how many? Most people don't wear this many shirts, as many shirts as Ray Liotta does in this movie. (laughs) It's like a hundred shirts. Can we, like, I just want to take a second to appreciate the costuming and the hair and makeup. It's so (laughs) brilliant. And I, it really kind of dawned on me as towards the end of the movie Mm -hmm. where Ray Liotta and Lorraine Bracco look so strung out, so run down and just like even their teeth are all like kind of fucked up and everything. And it's just like that rang so true. Like this is what all those years of hard living, hard smoking, hard drinking, doing a lot of drugs and constant, constant worry that you're going to die or go to prison. And at this this point, it doesn't, it doesn't really oversell like how addicted to drugs they are, but like what the first the first like at least decade of Henry Hill's life had not drawn his wife into things. And I love that mm. as Diana pointed out, it doesn't feel breakneck until like the, the final half hour of the movie is, is one day. And, and like, that's when things feel like, Oh fuck. I, when you feel like you're on Coke mm-hmm. and paranoid, um, because it, it does move a little faster, even though that's like the longest time the movie spends on any time period. And, and up, up until that point, Lorraine Bracco would never been involved with this business, but like, but they're so fucking, they're so fucking intertwined with this cocaine. Um, she's out running guns, <laughs> hiding shit at her parents' mm-hmm. house. Um, yeah. Putting a gun in her underwear. Mm-hmm. God, that is one of the <laughs> sexiest sequences ever. I don't know why that works for me. L- satin undies with a little gat in it. like, can you really, you're going to hide them in <laughs> Yeah, in the smallest underwear in the universe. At least put it in the back. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Was Ace Ventura out yet? She could make it. No. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, and also, uh, and I'm so glad that we have this. And yeah, spoiler alert, almost famous to talk about later. Mm -hmm. Movies with amazing needle drops. This movie does not have a score. Yeah, there is no music in this movie except for songs and there are a lot of them and everyone is perfect mm-hmm. for every scene and it, it just cut to the music some of the times yeah. Well, oh, yeah and I'm, a couple of those cuts are just iconic now They're, i love i love driving under helicopters that are ignoring me and, and just cranking up jump to the fire by, by <laughs> Nielsen. oh yeah um, sam reminded me of your post from last year when there the, was a helicopter following yeah. me Exactly. And like the very few people like got the reference, but yeah, that was from the last day. The last, uh, Henry Hill's last day as, a, as an honest bad man. can say that I don't hate me, but I don't really care for Eric Clapton that much. And Lay- this use of Layla is truly the only thing that I love about Aaron Cl- Eric yeah. Clapton. I've seen that parodied so many times. I just saw it like last week watching uh, Harley Quinn on HBO. Oh, and they've they seen it? that Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is that it is a little bit difficult to watch Goodfellas with 2020 eyes because it has been parodied and memefied yeah. so much. It's- so there are parts of it that I have to like, I did have to like remind myself, like, I, I know, I know there's a filmic, nope, this happened the, for the first time. Yeah. This is, right. Pretend a, you're watching this for the first time. There's a filmic word for that where like Scorsese made a song 
like introduced it in the lexicon with a dramatic moment that that they use that song to rip off the vibe of Goodfellas in other films. And it's like, no, no, no. Gimme Shelter was played here first. Like it was <laughs> I, I'd never heard it before. Oh. Nor Donovan for that matter. <laughs> I wouldn't oh, it's yeah. a whole Futurama reference I wouldn't even get if not for Goodfellas. <laughs> uh, like, dude, yeah, people then. do not sleep on this movie. Uh there's no reason to hate it. It is so much fun. It's, it's never so much fun. ever boring. There's so much great acting that's going on in this movie, and then also great acting going on in this movie. I mean, Lorraine Bracco, she is firing on all of her cylinders. Maybe even some cylinders she didn't need at some points, but that's okay. It kind of goes with her personality. De Niro's firing on a, his only cylinder. <laughs> but yes, it's, that's but it's true. it's Joe Pesci. It's why he did take home an Oscar for this, didn't he? Yeah. And, and yeah. He, wow. He is on fire and he is ad libbing and he is playing a psychopath. He it's is wonderful. A terrifying character. Yes. Truly terrifying. <laughs> Cannot be reasoned with, completely makes arbitrary decisions. Like, we all kind of have that friend in our lives, or I mean, I don't really have anyone like that anymore, but have had that friend. Ours is like, dead. But that's okay. Yeah, I guess. yeah like <laughs> a lot of times it happens because you yeah. just can't really like trust them, yeah. even though you know that your friends are like, I feel like I could get killed with you, baby. But <laughs> I don't want to get in a fight at a restaurant. Sucks. Mm-hmm. Sucks for you. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's such it's such like the meme out of the movie that you know what you think I'm funny. How am I funny? That's pretty much his first real scene, Joe yeah. Pesci, and it's not funny. It's scary. You realize. Mm-hmm. You know, it turns out in the end, oh, he's just breaking his balls. But it's like, he's just no, no, no. He's a big boy. He can speak for himself. What do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah, someone is giving him his friend is giving him a compliment because he told a funny story, and he's about him getting the shit kicked out of him by cops. By the way, yeah. (laughs) Twenty years of Animaniacs reruns had led me to believe he's screaming that scene. He is not. What's so funny about me? No, 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 no. Tell me, tell me. Shut shut, everyone. Shut up. What's so fucking? It's sadistic. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And then we see what happens with him almost immediately afterwards. Like he starts uh, fucking with the guy who's asking him to pay his tab. Yeah. He breaks a glass over friends. his head. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Throws a yeah. fucking card at him. Like he's just an awful, awful human being. But that scene of them in the bar laughing so hard, the the great. photo that's been memefied basically of um, Ray Liotta laughing is so funny. Like I could not stop laughing during that scene because they are going for it. It's it's like <laughs> that, that's I've never seen a scene of people laughing like that anywhere but a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, it's pretty wild. It's, yeah, it, it's they're having so much fun and it's because they're leaving all this chaos and horror in mm-hmm. their wake. Like they're having a great time. It's really cool to go, you know, backstage, you know, behind the scenes to the kitchen at the Copa and have them bring out a table just for you, just in the front. I love duh. Yeah, he, that, like Ray Liotta tells that you, shot he it, is it, so good. Morality doesn't enter into any of it at any point. At mm-hmm. in, that, at no point in the movie does anyone reflect on on what they do. But it just yeah. to or me, it's amazing hurt, that they including their loved ones. Yeah, they they don't care because like they've never nothing's ever happened. Wiretaps yeah. are only kind of just forming by the time we're at the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, and when they go to prison, it doesn't fucking matter because yeah. they can bribe the whole all the, everybody in the prison and they. That- Get to do whatever they want. Paulie would slice the garlic so thin it would melt in the pan. (laughs) (laughs) That's another huge part of it that I forgot. Said he goes to prison for four years. Mm -hmm. That is a. a He has an affair with Madonna's best friend. You tell them a whore lives in. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my god, Debbie Mazar is so good. I love her so much. <laughs> I always love her. Yeah, this this is it, it really is one of the best movies ever made. It's on the AFI top one hundred at like ninety four. Go fuck yourself. Uh it's what? it's on the IMDB uh I believe it's seventeen as of this recording, and it's in pretty great company. And I love IMDB's top one hundred, by the way, because it's Maybe not people younger than our age, but it's clearly people our age deciding what's up there. It's uh, populist. Yeah. Hmm. Recent movies get up there pretty fast, though. That's I believe I believe Dragon Ball, the Dragon Ball Z movie a few years ago achieved number one <laughs> status before everyone righted that wrong. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's one of the greatest movies ever made. If you call yourself a fan of film, you call yourself of auteurs, uh, please don't avoid this movie for any reason. Every. And worth a rewatch. You can hate. Mm-hmm. You can hate anybody who uh, annoys you with quotes from this film, including me, which I think I've made like seventy. But uh, it, it's it's phenomenal, and it it literally changed the pacing of films. Mm-hmm. It's it, it it doesn't feel thirty years old at all, except for the fucking title. the t- <laughs> The title is like, oh, I guess we don't have motion graphics yet. We're still working that out. Did that Did that title just drive away? That was that looks really bad. Uh, no, it's it's Saul Bass, and it's pretty much this. It's in a similar style as Psycho. Um, no excuse, uh, but but yeah. <laughs> but it has I, my favorite end credit sequence of all time. Uh, and, yeah. And, now, I it's interesting you brought the AFI up mm-hmm. because uh, Unspooled they talked about this because they did the whole 100 films off the AFI list, and Amy Nicholson is one of the few critics who just does not like this movie. Huh. And one of her complaints was the end credit song, which I was like, "Are you?" joking Layla like, well, or I mean, Sid Vicious they're, they're closing with Sid Vicious singing my way but I mean that's not the kind of music Ray Liotta would listen to mm-hmm. it's like exactly it's a Sinatra song which all these gangsters would listen to but yeah, it's, it's a warp- done in a it's warped a, and mocked a, Sinatra song yeah and, yeah it's mocking mm-hmm. and, yeah it's because these guys time has passed because they suck and according to my girlfriend did, was that really the first dance the first lady and our current Mad King president had with one another was to that this version yes. of that song? Um, no, not this version. Okay. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> okay, like I, I don't. I, I yeah, another universe. Please, somebody ask the president who Sid Vicious is. Like it's time. We're not going to get any real answers out of it. We might as well ask him joke questions. True, <laughs> uh, but we. So I absolutely of course recommend this movie but i recommend make an evening of it Mm -hmm. so last night i made a lasagna from scratch and garlic bread and we sat down and watched this movie put away our phones put the lights down that's the type that's the way you have to watch this movie i listened to it i I, like i've started it at two in the morning full blast uh and my my girl is a is also a massive fucking fan and that works out so well for both of us and it has that cable quality yes i'm sure you've heard it before you can kind of start watching it whenever you want mm-hmm. and i've done that a billion sure. times too i meant to get that shit dave found so many amazing clips for the laser time episode of worst made for tv um language edits um, oh, this God. movie has wonderful one. the oh, casino no. one is still you have oh. to hear it to believe it no sam played for me uh pally's a couple of pallies, yeah. my favorite Mr. Show joke. Yes, it's yeah. it's why like I still tell her like I don't mind commercials, but if you cut stuff out of the movie, I'm not watching this. I will not watch a movie on broadcast cable. I just won't. I, I have it. I've been that way for 20 years. I will I will I will I will go buy the DVD and pop it in before I'll do that. The only and, time the only movie I will watch like that is The Fifth Element. Uh, well, I thankfully huh. a couple of well, cuz there's not a lot to edit out. Yeah, and Golden you just Corbin. stop anywhere on The Fifth Element, it's a good watch. 
Uh, good, good fellows. It, it, it's in my um, not even maybe my top five. It might be in my top two. Uh, Goodfellas is yeah. just so wonderful, man. Please, please, I implore you, watch it again, enjoy it again, or if you haven't seen it, please watch it for the first time. I've got so many clips for you if you don't like Goodfellas as we move into television. September 18th to the 24th of 1990, television, The Murder She Wrote Season 7 begins with Trials and Tribulation, guest starring Carrie Hamilton, Stephen First, Michael Beck, Michael Beck, Swan, and uh, Kim Stanley. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I throw that in there because I just go through the murder she wrote to find who's got the best guest stars. And this is pretty stacked. Uh, Carrie Hamilton is Carol Burnett's daughter, or well, oh. she, before she, she passed away. Stephen First was Flounder in Animal House, Michael Beck from oh, yeah. Xanadu and the Warriors. And Kim Stanley, who, okay, you don't know that name, but she is the subject of one of the most famous movie quotes of all time. Mm. Stella! Ah. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I yeah. meant to ask you, I saw that... Um, I mean, Murder, She Wrote goes on for a few more seasons, right? Yeah. yeah. Diane is an unironic fan of Murder, She Wrote. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, Why would anyone be an ironic fan of Murder, She Wrote? I feel like maybe you would start I mean, she made me watch it. She made me watch an episode with like an ARP magazine and an empty pill bottle in my hand with weird glasses on when I went over to her house for a It 40th. was my birthday party. We <laughs> I know. Had an old people party and we all watched Murder, She Wrote. And that was, was the most I've watched Murder, She Wrote. And it was it was, <laughs> it was splendid. But, but, uh, Definitely a party a theme party and not an every weekend occurrence. <laughs> I read I, I meant to ask you this. I read going I made a jello mold. I, I got a plastic cover for my couch. Come on. I, I, I was reading that like Angela Lansbury wanted a little bit of a break from the rather it's like twenty four episodes a year of this yeah. show that like kind of has a lot of locations. And she uh, old. Well I, I but I think she took it this season. Were there episodes of murder she wrote without um, yeah. Jessica Fletcher. Mm-hmm. There are some. Yeah. That's okay. That's I thought there was. I just couldn't. I meant to pinpoint that at, earlier in the season because I think this is where that starts. For all you Murder She Wrote fans out there, um, all you, uh, yeah, Fletcher heads. heads, Fletcher heads, <laughs> way better. Uh, well, we're gonna be giving Law and Order at least this first season the Murder She Wrote treatment because you're. It's gonna be full of people that are noteworthy doing guest star roles, including this one, this second episode of Law and Order. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. we talked yeah. about it last week. Second one that aired. Time means nothing. It's a flat circle. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, Subterranean Homeboy Blues. Terrible title, but it oh, basically dear. stars Cynthia Nixon, who's basically playing a female Bernie Getz. A British politician <laughs> sex fame? She yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She uh shoots people she jokes some people shooting two men on the subway, two black men that she says were uh threatening her. And it's a little bit of like, were they threatening you? Hmm. I don't know. I'm tired of pretending it's not. I know that's Samantha. But <laughs> I mean, you know Bon or like the first season they're like, okay, oh, we gotta get our Bernie Gets out of the way, right? I did, I did want to say okay. I, I think our, our friends uh Brett and Carolyn created a drinking game for murder she wrote. Like uh just throw in an episode if you want to get real hammered and drink anytime someone says, Listen, lady. And like, <laughs> <laughs> and like, <laughs> Uh, again, I'm going to jump into my show now. I, 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 it's this is one of my favorite shows in the world. I'm, I'm sorry if it's not one of yours. I have a little 30 second sound clip because this is important. A, it is Mystery Science Theater 3000 second season on Comedy Central uh, with Rocket Chick, Rocket Ship XM, which introduces TV's Frank and Tom Servo's new voice. I wouldn't have ordinarily grabbed a clip from you because these episodes are very accessible, but this is one of the, I think. 10 non-Minneapolis KTMA episodes that are 
unavailable and will remain so forever. So you can't watch this. It's never been remastered. Uh, but this season, uh, what happened? Uh, J. Elvis Weinstein, wonderful man, bows out, taking with him uh, one mad scientist and Tom Servo. But we also introduced two of my favorite people I've ever met in my whole life, Kevin Murphy and Frank Conniff. And um, just wonderful. And they're all introduced in 30 seconds as Joel opens up the episode like I'm working on Tom's new voice chip. There we go. That, here it is. Hello, world. <laughs> Happy birthday! What do you think? <laughs> Pretty neat, huh? Oh, it's a world of difference. You know, Joel, I'm just finally realizing I've been to paradise, but I've never been to me. <laughs> oh, look sharp, you goons. It's the uh, Dark Overlords. Uh, hi, welcome to Deep 13. Would you like to try our smooth, creamy thruster buster? Where's Dr. Earhart and Dr. Forrester? I'm Frank. Uh, I'm new here. Uh, as for Dr. Forrester, uh, he stepped out for a moment. As for Dr. Earhart... He's missing. Oh. <laughs> so he holds up a milk carton. I love Frank Conniff. He has a great story. I was uh, his book, um, 30 Mystery Science Theater 3000 movies that didn't change that changed my life in no way whatsoever is always on my toilet. Uh, <laughs> how he went from a Manhattan socialite to rehab in Minneapolis to being on the show and the only person not doing two things. So his job was to screen movies for Mystery Science Theater 3000, and in addition to being a writer and an on-camera person, he needed another duty, so they didn't hey. screen another movie with a rape scene in it. Side hackers <laughs> looking at you. <laughs> um, and then this is this feels nuts, because, I don't know, I think something about DC television, live-action television, just really crested recently with the Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it even acknowledges this show, which to me is one of the biggest... They don't acknowledge Lois and Clark or Superboy or Swamp Thing, uh, but Flash, the first Flash show, incredibly expensive. Uh, I was looking into, like, I think a $6 million pilot, and it aired Whoa. in a, a, a two-hour form, and I didn't see it, despite being a giant Flash fan, because it was I was still in a one-television household. And I, they tried. They decided to go at Cosby, as did The Simpsons, and I chose The Simpsons, and I don't regret it. But this promo is wonderfully desperate for CBS's The Flash. 1978, you believed a man could fly. 1989, the Dark Knight was reborn. Now, lightning strikes again. This fall on CBS, get ready for The Flash. It's like the official movie Christopher Reeve Superman logo, the fucking Tim Burton Batman logo. I'm like, this is the next step because we'll who knows when we'll make another movie <laughs> uh we have the flash because like they've been trying to make launch dc heroes and they they picked the flash because they had a pretty cool effect uh john wesley ship played uh barry allen and i believe on the current flash show he plays barry allen's dad so Not like me. there are there are nods to this old flash show which is ridiculous and i i taped a bunch of episodes i've watched them uh once i don't know if i'll ever do that again how about this we'll jump into um a show I was forced to watch in school twice, I believe. Sure. Um, Here in Tallahassee, I believe it. Yeah, Michael Jeter, Charles Durning, this cast, man. Ozzie Davis, Hal oh. Holbrook, Mary Lou Henner, and Burt Reynolds in Evening Shade. Mm. Burt Reynolds trying to make up some of that divorce money with a yeah. primetime sitcom. I, I think the divorce happened during the show, and they pointed ah. it's a possibility that that added to its cancellation because it was canceled after only four seasons even though it was doing great in the ratings huh. and part of it seems like this cast is really expensive mm -hmm. because it's a fucking great cast yeah a lot of dead people but yeah uh, yeah well, 
Unfortunately, yes. And I Tom believe Holbrook, knock on wood. We had to. But, uh, our dude, we watched the sex ed episode in in lieu of a sex ed class in our sex ed <laughs> class. Well, we, that explains a lot. I remember Michael Jeter. I think taped a toilet paper to the end of a volleyball to make a sperm. And uh, and and then well, that tracks. And growing up in Tallahassee, Florida, where Burt Reynolds was a big football star at Florida State University, let's all do the Seminole chant and get canceled. He had the coach of the football team on, and the world in my hometown stopped. We were all forced to watch this the next day in school over like the live PA system, and I just remember the world cracking up. It was like I, sports have always made me feel like a real outsider. So like this unfunny. Rednecky, pot-bellied guy who can barely read his lines is killing uh, Bobby Bowden and his guest spot on Evening Shade because I'm just bringing that up because like I was mystified by Evening Shade. Like, why do people like this? But if you've been listening to the tra- trajectory of me, The Simpsons rooted me into Fox, and even though I watched certain sitcoms, I really, really liked Get a Life, which debuts mm. this week, and I didn't know I was watching any anything subversive at all, and it's. I found it difficult to find a clip from this first episode to find something subversive because all sitcoms now sound like this. But uh, Chris Elliott plays basically a 30-year-old Dennis the Menace uh, with a paper <laughs> route. He lives at home. Uh, it is surreal. It is weird. The mo- I never got in trouble for in class for mimicking a wrestling move or saying, like, suck my dick, teacher. <laughs> I remember in, in, in my class, I just... I repeated a line from Get Life, like I Get a Life, having no idea what it meant. He went to New York City, and by that I mean he walked in front of a New York green screen for 30 minutes. This show was insane. <laughs> uh, uh, put, but I said, uh, Oh, you're one of those filthy prostitutes who flip slipped me a Mickey. And my teacher like took me out of the classroom and called my parents. I'm like, I like, I don't know what two of those words are. I just heard Chris Elliott say, I really like Get a Life, and when I look back on it. Researching it, it's uh, Adam Rifkin, David Merkin, Bob Odenkirk, and Charlie Kaufman and Chris Elliott creating a surreal anti sitcom. So I mean, come on, that's 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 you got your your Letterman juice, your Simpsons juice, your Mister Show juice, and uh, the, the guy who directed. <laughs> I, uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, Eternal Sunshine, like uh, making this really surreal sitcom. And I bought it on DVD. This is not streaming anywhere. And I recommend you do that too because it's like they they even advertised the feature. Like we hated the laugh track, but Fox made us put it in. But he's like, so when you do hear laughter, it's genuinely a jaded crew member laughing at something that's happening. <laughs> like, like, and, and, and sometimes you'll hear the crew cracking up because it's really dirty. And he's like, he walked up to his friend's wife in their bedroom as she's sleeping. He's like, I'm done with the Victoria's Secret catalog. I circled some stuff I think you'd, you should probably get yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> with, with a happy Chris Elliott tune, I believe he, he gets murdered in at, at least 12 episodes. Fox hated this show. Uh, it starred Chris Elliott with his uh, real-life father, legendary Bob yeah. Elliott. Little clip of them two talking on the first episode. Hey, Mom, Dad, what are you guys doing up so early? I thought uh, retired people were supposed to get as much sleep as possible. You know, to rest up for all the clapping you got to do to turn the lights on and off. (laughs) Gladys, were you smoking heavily when you were pregnant with Chris? Chris, your father has something very important he wants to talk to you about. Well, sure, Dad, but I can't be late for work. That's exactly what I want to talk to you about. You know, son, a couple of years ago, when you moved out of the house into the garage, that was a step in the right direction. Now your mother and I feel like maybe you're in a rut. We don't think you're really happy, and we don't want to see you turn into some kind of 
lost soul. Well, gosh, Ma, you make it sound like I'm going to start sending flowers to Jodie Foster or something. It's like, like some birth defect and serial killer jokes like hidden in a sit. If you're, if you're not looking closely, this is airing up against full house and family matters. Like it's, the subject matter is really weird. And Chris Elliott's a really weird looking guy. His yeah. hair is long, yep. but he is definitely bald. <laughs> it's a very odd sitcom. Lead. Confounding. I love this show. And it's um, not streaming anywhere. And it, there's a complete edition of the DVD. And like, uh, I, I've been just taking notes of how hard it is to find things streaming at this point. Even if I'm willing to pay money, I don't know. Buy up these discs if you want to have access to the stuff. In <laughs> yeah, the I'm going to have to borrow them from you because this is definitely a blind spot. In my like comedy diet. You, you would. We would have to introduce you to pot. It is so, it, it, like <laughs> it's 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 subversive. Thirty years ago, but like that would pass for a normal sitcom patter. I was trying mm. to just emphasize like this is what it's it's rivaled in an different way than married with children but it, it, somehow this made fox more uncomfortable so it only got two seasons hmm. but it lived on in syndication on usa and comedy central because like people loved it and they got eventually got to make cabin boy um uh, with adam Ripley. Mm. yeah but uh, for all our older letterman heads out there i i wasn't really a part of chris elliott on letterman video games of, of 1990 we will go way more in depth on uh, into this on the patreon show the last show was very very long a, a very extra long bonus show uh and this is a special one slash incredibly terrible and mean game uh cool. back to the future two and three the video game almost right on time uh <laughs> ljn with another terrible representation of one of the greatest trilogies of all time cramming them into one game instead of spreading them across two uh, music of 1990 to take us out um, Release Me by Wilson Phillips is number one We got new releases uh, by Flaming Lips With In A Priest Driven Ambulance uh, Romantic by Human League Cause of Death by Obituary Lawn Boy by Fish Nomad Indian Saints by Indigo Girls The Razor's Edge by ACDC And uh, Some People's Some People's Lives by Bette Midler Which includes From A, from a Distance From A Distance I sing that song to my dog Biscuit oh. every day And I, I dare you to guess what word I change <laughs> <laughs> from a biscuit <laughs> yeah at some point that's going to be up there at the top of the charts that we will play it and i know i promised cherry pie from warrant last week but we're pushing okay. that back because we have song should be in every trailer yeah. and it kind of is Ew. like <laughs> Fucking Thunderstruck. Like, ACDC does one thing, and it does it well. Ew! Thunderstruck! I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, have a riff and have a guy shriek behind it. Done. Terrible. Uh, And then do it till you're dead. Let's go out with ACDC Thunderstruck, but stay right there, people. Another one of my favorite movies of all time is coming on. Can I come again, please? Yeah, I just want to come! Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 302010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two over at patreon.com slash lasertime. We've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 3020 and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. 
and uh, Total Recall for NES is out. Pretty notorious Oof. for being one of the worst games from one of the best movies of that era. Total Recall yeah, This might is be one, one of the worst games I've ever played. <laughs> I think the best part about this game is the back of box uh, copy. Have you guys read this? No. no. Okay. Get ready for lots of parentheticals. You are Quaid, aren't you? You have a good <laughs> job. Your life as you know it no longer exists. And a lovely wife. She's on their side. You're about to take a dream vacation to Mars. They're trying to kill you. It should be fun. Deadly secrets are being unlocked by your mind implant. And relaxing. Only you can activate the oxygen reactor and prevent an interplanetary catastrophe. Quaid. Pre-order Quaid. Oh, I just want to say also another thing about the first level of this game that jumped out. Uh, Within your first few steps is a cinema that you can go into. And in this cinema, you see the credits for Total Recall the game, which I cannot believe you people wanted to put your names on this, much less if you put them so close to the beginning. So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Laser Time shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right, guys? Yeah! Welcome back to, to, to the 302010. We're in the year 2000. You should have known that by oh, fuel rearing its ugly, bejeweled head. It's their bad Caesars all over the place. Uh, welcome to 2000, everyone. We're talking about September 18th to 24th. That song is out this week. We also have some new releases. We teased it last week. Music by Madonna. You guys had a lot of positive things to say oh, about it. So good. Mm. I just went back and looked up the track listing for that. And uh, don't tell me. It's yeah. so good. We we have to come in or go out on that at some point. I don't know. I'd yeah, still, it's coming up. For I me, think okay. it makes it to number one also. For, I hope so. For me, it's the introduction of Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, I was All just right. going to jerk off to this video instead. <laughs> Never mind. I'm going to laugh um, and jerk off yeah. and then hemorrhage in my hands. It's difficult to do in five minutes, but the kid could get it done 20 years ago. Um, the, the Art of Drowning... <laughs> By AFI is also out. G-Funk Classics Volume 1 and 2, uh, Nate Dogg's solo debut. SDE by Cameron. Red Dirt Girl by Amy Lou Harris. Relationship of Command by At The Drive-In. Um, Ooh, yeah, I know. A great, their, great album. Their oh, last yeah. album, technically. Uh, oh, Righteous Love it. by Joan Osborne. 13 Ways to Bleed on Stage by Cold. And The Worst by Tech 9 Music by Madonna is still number one. Mm. 2000. Oh, man. I love Relationship of Command. Yeah, at the drive-in is pretty dope. And I had a bit... There's so much weird tech news happening because the internet is clearly a thing and no one really knows how to capitalize on it just yet because it's it's monopolized by the phone company at this Mm. point. And... I, I think I was a little closer to this given where one of my friend's dad's wor- dad worked, but I didn't. I, I think if you're a real hardcore tech nerd, it's really funny to see how many times Microsoft tried its hand at being an ISP. And hmm. there's a, a lot of behind the scenes stuff that they tried to do, and there's there's web TV and shit like that. Uh, but they announced this week high speed MSN from Microsoft. There is a landline solution, but this is. I mean, 
we, I think we talked about that in a, a Laser Time episode that like there's still the places where there's still blockbusters are where people don't have internet to this day. Like there, there are there are blind spots. Look at your every time you see like a T-Mobile commercial, we cover the whole country, and you see like, is anyone in Nebraska? Like what's going on there? <laughs> mm-hmm. So Microsoft announces high-speed MSN, a satellite internet service, uh, sort of sort of like the first affordable affordable version of its kind, a fifty nine ninety five a month satellite internet service. And if you need a re- refresher, that means your internet can cut out when it's cloudy. <laughs> yeah. So what does that mean? You would get a satellite dish to put in on your roof? Oh, and this is there's so many wonderful catches. Yes, you. It requires another two hundred dollars satellite. But if you are very rural, and at this point, like we're still friends with Melendez, who you may have heard of on some of our other shows, because he was the first one to get DSL, and everyone was on a waiting list and couldn't get it for a year. So we brought all our computers over to his house uh, to use high speed internet for the first time. And this, it's still in its infancy. So now everybody can get it just by buying this one device paying for the service, but there's a very wonderful catch. When I was reading old tech blogs, old CNET and ZDNet blogs, uh, mm-hmm. Microsoft quietly signed an exclusive deal with Compact Computers. So unless you have a new Compact Computer with the oh. card to receive the satellite signal, y- you cannot get this service. <laughs> and so people, they, they, they accepted pre-orders and people showed up and like, please tell me about a Compact in the last two weeks. <laughs> like, no? Well, we... We do sell uh, for seven. Like, try and imagine those prices. This is nineteen uh, or two thousand prices. Like, that's Holy a fucking lot. Like a seven hundred. In addition to sixty bucks a month, two hundred dollars, and it, you have to buy another computer. And it was essentially dead in the water. Mm. High speed MSN. It was difficult to look up because no one has any fond memories of it. <laughs> two thousand movies, September eighteenth to the twenty fourth. The specials with Rob Lowe, Thomas Aiden Church, and Paget Brewster. I like all those three people. But that is I, not the ska band I'm, I'm thinking it is. Nope. And well, you like the writer of it. It's written by James Gunn. Oh, oh This is, this is his slitter? first. Yes. His first superhero movie. At this point, known only as the screenwriter of Tromeo and Juliet. Wow. Yeah. God, I Which love James Gunn. fun fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to go with ahead of its time on this one because it is about also oh, yeah. ran superheroes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just their internal politics and relationship problems, and not them doing anything. I did special. see this. Oh my god! This uh, this is like a late night like HBO premiere or some shit like this. Yeah, uh, it got compared to Mystery Men a lot because mm-hmm. that was sort of the only big superhero team movie there was until X Men. So a lot of a lot of the stuff written about it was like, so it's like X Men on their day off. That was boring. It's like this sounds like this needs reappraising though because we're so deep into. Everything about superheroes being covered from every different angle. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I had trouble trying to find it. I and mean, there was just so much other stuff I, we I had to it, cover. It came straight to DVD, and I think I, I didn't see it until it popped up on Netflix, where it looked like a old, like an old straight-to-video X-Men parody, which it may or may not be. Uh, um, but I, see, I do see that it made $13,000 at the box office, oh, which is nothing gosh. to sneeze at. Yikes, um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I guess put it in the comments. That's... Uh, mm. One of one of those assignments for the week. It was like, yeah, someone someone tell us if this is worth going back to watch or if it's just not quite fully baked as a concept. I, I love Super. If you've never seen that movie, it's fucking great. Ellen Page, Rain Wilson, mm-hmm. Nathan Fillion's 
awesome. Right yeah. before James Gunn got uh, swooped up by the major studios. Uh, Under Suspicion is out this week with Morgan Freeman, Gene Hackman, and Thomas Jane. Is this a hospital movie? No, no. it's not. I actually watched a little bit of this uh, last night. It's free on Tubi. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's set in Puerto Rico. Gene Hackman plays a tax attorney, Richie Rich guy in Puerto Rico, um, while there is a series of child murders going on. And I watched the first half of it. I didn't get all the way through, but it's mainly Morgan Freeman is the police uh chief or mm-hmm. detective in Puerto Rico along with Thomas Jane and they're like questioning him uh Gene Hackman in the police station and it like relies on like flashbacks and his story keeps changing because he discovers one of the bodies of the girls and from what I saw it looked pretty great honestly like the acting of course is fantastic but it's definitely one of those movies that feels like it was a play because it's just uh. like three people in a room like talking and the flashbacks are like generally, you know, nonverbal, just showing what he was doing that day, you know, when he found mm-hmm. the body and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I found it very intriguing. Hmm. I'd like to finish it, probably. Yeah, the the reviews were sort of middling, and it didn't get that much attention. I just yeah. like the turnabout of Morgan Freeman as the cop and Gene Hackman as the suspect, and I hope they string string him up on the jail bars and gives him a whooping. Can you can you imagine it's a more little ti- It's payback for unforgiven bitch. <laughs> a more cantankerous. Suspect in the universe. I'm not talking to any of you. Oh, he's cantankerous <laughs> as f, and also a very interesting hairpiece. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! It doesn't come off. Yeah, <laughs> not even in water. Because uh, Gene Hackman's hair for the last thirty years at this point had had looked like a blonde version of Bill Burr's character in F is for Family. It was, <laughs> wow, that's extremely specific. It was. It's why it didn't work. But. Um, also out this week is Woman on Top with Penelope Cruz, Morello um, uh, Benicio, Harold Perrineau, and uh, Mark Ferristein. Woman on Top. When Isabella <gasps> got burned by love, it was time to move out <laughs> and move on. My lady, what planet are you from? Brazil. Ah, what I have is not love, it's a curse. You have to learn to be on your own. So instead of getting mad, she's getting famous. Ooh, I saw this. This, this is movie very is a fucking delight. Mm, okay, it's weird. Uh, a lot of times it's cliched, but it's also sometimes really weird in a good way. Yeah. Um, I like it is largely filmed in San Francisco, and I met a couple mm-hmm. production assistants on it because they were filming there. Uh, or they just wrapped up filming when I was working at the film commission there. And the PAs are very nice people. And they're like, it's good Penelope Cruz in it, the Spanish actress. And I was like, I've seen Almodovar movies. I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what yeah. I, I thought this was an Al- Almodovar movie, but I, I saw thought it was no. too when I first jumped no. into it. And then I realized it's I very s- much not. This, we, we bought a too expensive cable package in our first month or two we were in our dorm room and I was just watching everything and I remember watching that. Sorry. Yeah. It's so fun though. Like I this is a definitely a hidden gem for me. Um it's a food movie which yeah. I yeah. absolutely love. And so yeah, Penelope Cruz plays a woman who is jilted by her lover, her husband, and so moves to San Francisco and is looking for a job as a chef and ends up meeting Mark Feuerstein and she charms him and she ends up getting her own cooking show on like basically like local TV. And Harold Perrineau plays her uh, roommate in drag, uh, mm-hmm. 
maybe trans, but I'm pretty sure it's drag. I don't know. Yeah. I feel kind of, yeah. I, I kind of felt like he's playing a trans woman mm -hmm. because I don't remember him not being dressed as a woman. True. Well, except for the very first time we see him, but also, or her. Mm, they, I don't know. All I know is RuPaul read fan. multiple times for that mm. role and didn't get it. Yeah. And that's a little bit shocking. But I like Harold Perrineau. I do too. Oh, and he yeah. does a great job with this role. And I absolutely, there's a reveal at the end that is just a fucking true delight. But yeah, this movie is wonderful. It's um, magical realism, which is something that I really appreciate. It mm -hmm. reminded me a lot of Jane the Virgin, if anyone is a fan of that, which employed hmm. a lot of elements of magical realism in it, um, while also commenting on magical realism. So uh, yeah, I, I think this is a hidden gem and hmm. um, really. Harold, Harold Perrineau has been one of my favorite parts of so many TV shows like Oz and Lost. I really hate that mm. my favorite Harold Perrineau movie is Speed. Oh, Keanu Reeves <laughs> broke his well, car. This. Maybe this will be your new one. I might. I might. But I do want to warn our listeners. Look. You got to be very careful when Googling this movie. No, I'm feeling lucky. Mm. Lee, that's because even the Wikipedia page you think is the movie is the most not safe for work thing I've ever seen in my life. <sighs> <laughs> Which I also yeah. recommend seeing. <laughs> Uh, yeah i mean i admit i have i did not go back and rewatch it i just remember walking away from it's like well they're trying to make mm -hmm. penelope cruz a thing in the u.s and i support that mm -hmm. and that you know it's it's cute our our next and uh, i remember a lot of food our next so movies i'm glad to hear that it's like oh okay yeah our next we're, movies we're director would get there he would uh he would try and launch penelope cruz if you know what i'm saying Oh, yeah. That's uh, Cameron Crowe. And I have not thought about this movie in at least 15 years and threw it on for the show and was smitten all over again. Mm -hmm. It made it feel like a smaller world. Like, I don't have anything to relate in any of this movie, but this is just absolutely charming as long as you don't care about people of color. <laughs> But, <laughs> it's because it's about when the music mattered, man. Uh, it's a nice reflection on a, a time through a wonderful perspective, through not only an outsider, but a young child. And of course, we're talking about Zoe Deschanel, Noah Taylor, Anna Paquin, Fruza Balk, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jason Lee, Francis McDormand, Kate Hudson, Billy Crudup, Patrick Fugit, almost famous. You're going to be a true journalist who cannot make friends with the rock stars. From Cameron Crowe. This is Rolling Stone. We need this story in four days. The creator of Jerry Maguire. I've never written more than a few pages in my life. A story for everyone. How old are you? I'm 15. Who wanted to join the party. No, 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 no. Yes. And one guy. Do you want to come? Oh. Who did. Your mom Rock stars have kidnapped my son. You're one of us. Almost famous. Oh, God. Uh, Lock the gates. <laughs> there are so many people to see that, like, Nick Swardson screaming Bowie, Rain Wilson with a fucking filter tip yep. cigarette. So many people to blink and you'll miss it. Scott Farkas, one of my favorite lines from the movie, taking a bong rip. Hey, brother. <laughs> it's yeah. When they're, you know, auctioning off the groupies. But uh, th this movie. Oh, wait, what's his name? That was like, I, I was like, wait, is that so-and-so? And he's just a Jimmy baby. Fallon. I mean, besides, uh, yeah, Jimmy Fallon, Peter Frampton, Mitch Hedberg, Eric Stone Street pops up. Yep. Uh, Jay Baruchel. Jay Baruchel uh. looks 10. Wow, that's right. He was the uh, the super fan, the first guy, uh, yeah. the, the lead character's age. Cameron Crowe. We should talk about Cameron Crowe as a, yeah. uh, I don't know that it ever got better than this for him. But like, I think 
the the more he goes semi autobiographical, the better. Sarah, I know you're a big fan of Jerry Maguire. Did, did Cameron Crowe have any relation to that world? Did he cover them journalistically? Because like even Fast Times at Regmont High, didn't he cover that like as a as a journalism project? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, and, yeah, I believe so. And almost famous is the almost true story uh, about his his growing up as an aspiring nerd and writer in a world without internet he is a massive music fan and making connections and ends up getting like legit music journalism assignments but people are paying him over the phone like literally over the phone because there's no internet and don't know his age so he is a 15 16 year old kid embedded and recognized amongst these 1973 did they give a date 19 like yeah. like mid 70s rock bands it is it's a fascinating time to look back on and it's also a fascinating perspective to see it from uh, a, a guy who a, a kid who couldn't fully embrace uh the decadence of the scene he's covering and, yeah. and he's he's had a remove from it too because like the first the first time around i feel like this movie's a little overlong. It feels a little padded with the stuff with his mom played by Frances McDormand, even though I love everything she does. And then I realized, well, that's part of the thing is that he doesn't grow up with rock and roll. It mm-hmm. is sort of dropped on him suddenly because his mom is convinced that he can't from. listen to Simon and Garfunkel because they're obviously on drugs. On the pot. And they're on the pot. Look at them. It, and it's the least it's only when it's only when his sister, uh, played by Zoe Deschanel, you know, storms out of the house and leaves him her record collection that he can like start secretly getting into it. And it's just sort of plunked on him at like age 11, 12. Yeah, I, I still think that's like a testament to the movie. It is the most wasted I've ever seen Frances McDormand. But like <laughs> the fact that she's in here makes it even better because she's fucking awesome. Yeah. And she has an arc, too. And mm-hmm. and it's it's. This movie is astounding. Like it, it, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it because, like, I didn't think I cared about it anymore. I didn't, wow. But like, I, I loved it. I, I, I couldn't stop like writing notes about it. And uh, yeah, I had a, I had a great time with this movie. There's not even a lot for me to connect to, man. I'm not a huge fan of this music scene. I'm just a, a fan of being. I'm a fan. Like that's why we do these shows. Like we're, mm. we're fans. And and. Being that embedded and that passionate about something is something everyone discourages in you at this age. But mm. because the theme being uncool in the in this movie, it's 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 one of my favorite scenes in the whole world. Philip Seymour Hoffman like describing uh, as Lester Bangs, as R.I.P. Lester Bangs, if you, legendary. If journalist. you if you haven't done and, and read uh, about him or uh, Jim Derogotis, another rock journalist, wrote a biography of Lester Bangs, who was. Cantankerous is like the perfect word for him. He he was uh, a rock journalist who also just kind of hated everything, mm-hmm. but not as like, eh, I'm better than this. He was like, no, I want you to do better, damn it, because rock will save the world. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's an internet. I, 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 we, we all think, like, I worked on the internet, and I thought that too. Like, I was there um, mm-hmm. in the early 2000s thinking the internet would save the world, make everyone's lives better. I feel very silly now. And, like, <laughs> But, but... I don't know, man. Like, there's something about this that, like, hits a really weird spot for me. And it's sure. not just four women so bored they take your virginity. Yes, everyone wishes that would happen. And, <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, like, it's, it's, there are scenes of decadence and silliness and just heart, heart, heart all the way around and no bad guys. Like, no bad wow. guys whatsoever. And Jimmy Fallon's a bad guy. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think he was, but he, but in terms of like, uh, it, depending on what you believe, so Cameron Crowe, the writer-director of this film, 
this was his life. He he was a young, I think, 15, 16-year-old reporter for Rolling Stone, among many other uh, magazines, and was embedded with these bands. And I... Uh, I'm trying like I, I I did a I did as much as much searching as I care to do on who these people actually were. I, I couldn't believe Peter Frampton wrote the music to this movie to make oh, it no, authentic. No, or some of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Nancy Wilson, who yes. was Cameron Crowe's wife at the time, From Nancy Heart. Wilson of Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a couple snippets of actual score, but again, like Goodfellas, we have something mostly needle drops, and Cameron Crowe's musical taste is. Perfection. Yeah, and as always, so many great songs in here. They had to show it to Led Zeppelin, and Led Zeppelin's like, "This is awesome." And we're also the Beatles. You, of course, <laughs> you can use all of our music. Um, but like, uh, it's such a beautiful film, and like, I, again, like the only I, I, I cast towards it is like, I, there are no people of color in this movie at all of any kind. So I feel like Antista, you and I just held hands by a fountain that got struck by lightning and mm-hmm. said, I wish I was you because I feel very cynically like this movie is, ugh. I, I just feel like it's, I feel like we've switched roles. I'm usually the one that's talking about I, how I, like sweet and wonderful things are. And you're the one that's usually cynically shitting on my favorite thing. Well, it, it, there, there's a billion <laughs> element. There's an aspiring journalist, but like he's also following an up and coming band that's falling apart at the seams before they happen. And, and I, even going into the movie, I knew too much about it. I knew wh- who this person was supposed to be. Russell is supposed to be Glenn Frey from the Eagles, mm-hmm. but the band, Glenn Frey, Glenn Frey, and Glenn Frey. And, uh, yeah. uh, but a, a mix of, uh, Greg Allman from the Allman brothers. Mm-hmm. I don't think Greg Allman had like, I'm too good for this band. I'm going to leave it like your brothers. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, the Eagles had bitter breakups. Uh, oh, yeah. but he cut co- like Cameron Crowe covered so many bands. Like it all seems plausible because like almost all these stories are real. They are real things that happen, and you're following an up and coming band through the lens of this little kid journalist. It's a pretty brilliant layer to wrap nostalgia in because I think there's a billion things. Uh, it, it opens up the demographics of the movie. You're not following this, it's not fucking Bohemian Rhapsody. You're not following mm. the story of a real band. You're following the story of a scene, and you're also seeing it through the eyes of the biggest fan who's too young to be there. And and you're yeah. also seeing it through the Band-Aids, which was based on a real thing, like a, a, a mm. cadre of women who would travel with all these musicians and sometimes fuck them and sometimes just like, you need a lemonade? Like that kind of shit. Like, uh, yeah. this is all based See, on real stuff. That's one thing that kind of disappointed me looking into more of the background is like, okay, they're not groupies, they're Band-Aids. Mm-hmm. They're they they are such big fans. They just want to be near the music and the people that create the music and and help them to do that. And Penny Lane, who's uh, Kate Hudson's character, and this just this immediately put her on the map, yep. is based on a real person who went by Penny Lane, who is more of a promoter. And it's like the idea of him having a real function besides just being groupies, possibly without sex. It's like I would have liked that better. It's yeah, like, this is. She she is doing she has a function besides like yeah you need a lemonade I got I brought drugs I still, like I I, I it just as, as a as a man <laughs> as a boy mm-hmm. I traveled great distances to meet and see bands when I'm like 15 years old and mm-hmm. uh, I have a done anything they asked B would have done more but they didn't ask to fuck me mm-hmm. so I can see myself as a fan like doing and it's not cool and I know that shit but like. 
there's a fandom here where like people think it's not it's beyond and it's beyond a fandom. It's, they feel like there's a movement happening. Like we're saying yeah. something through music and we're a part of this bigger sequence of events. I don't know. There's something there's something I still think is neat to yeah. aspire to, even if you're fucking people you don't like. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that I mean, that a lot of that really works on me because we were talking about the kind of music from the period that is my favorite music. I am definitely a late 60s mm-hmm. rock type person. That's my jam. Mm-hmm. And that's probably part of why I love the soundtrack so much is because they bring in everybody. Even some more obscure stuff that I just love. You know? Yeah, bro. When it opened with that, that choice cut from the chipmunks. In the, in the <laughs> That's true. Mm. But, you know, so I love that it's it's about fandom and that passion and also sort of the give and take. And that, like, as he starts to realize, like, oh, things aren't perfect. There There's a lot of problems within the group. And then, yeah, Jimmy Fallon comes in basically as Satan to be like, hey, you could have more money, more fans, more power, but you have to be less nice to each other. But there are already all these problems, so they're going to drive them apart even more. And it's like, that's the kind of thing we've seen in every music. See, I, I, didn't, I didn't see his entrance there. It's like, not all of this lasts forever. And mm-hmm. Stillwater's status is given to us like, you are a middle act and you have right. a popular song. No one's going to fill an arena to see you. You need to capitalize on this moment right now. And that's what he, he capitalize on yeah. this right now. And it may not happen again. And, mm-hmm. and, and it did in like for a lot of these, the bands that this is based on, it sort of didn't, um, mm-hmm. but whatever the Almond brothers were, I don't know the fucking Almond brothers. I really don't, but yeah, Almond brothers were, I mean, they were pretty freaking huge, not Zeppelin, but pretty freaking huge. But yeah, there's plenty of others. There's, you know, Butterfield blues band. Nice. Um, yeah. But to me, it's, it's, it's just yeah. a, an intimate portrait about caring about something so much and, and, mm. and even in some of that, even extending into people's twenties and thirties in the film, like it just, I find it joyous. Mm. Like not, not everyone's out, out to exploit everything. Um, I find it a very, and uh, yet, hmm. and yet hmm. they are. I mean, that's the, one of the first things that, uh, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman tells him is we just heard in the trailer. It's like, they're not your friends. Can You're I play the, can I play the clip? It's them. one of my favorite clips. It, it, like, cause he's not with us anymore. Mm-hmm. And he has a very small oh, role in this movie. Yeah, I was hoping you would play this. I did. It's my favorite clip from the movie. And it's my, it, like, there are very few, there's no guides to life in Goodfellas. Do not listen to anything <laughs> any of those characters oh, say. It's a non-guide. But you can listen to what Lester Bang says. And, then, like, maybe I had some ex- experience, Diana. I loved games mm-hmm. and I went to pursue games and I followed that and those. I, there's something I might relate to a little weirder than some people but here here's like philip seymour hoffman he can only do four days in this project i I also love his character he meets the main character once and never meets anyone else in the film he nope. just he he sits he sits at home and he tells you why so you made friends with him see friendship is the booze they feed you is they want you to get drunk and feeling like you belong well it was fun because they make you feel cool and hey i met you you are not cool i know even when I thought I was, I knew I wasn't. Right, because we are uncool. You know, while women will always be a problem for guys like us, most of the great art in the world is about that very problem. Good-looking people, they got no spine. Their art never lasts. And they get the girls. But we're smarter. Yeah, I can really see that now. Yeah, because great art is about you know, the guilt and longing and you know, love disguises sex and sex disguises love. Hey, let's face it. You got a big head start. I'm glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm uncool. Me too. You're doing great. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Beautiful. Aww. That's like, that does. 
truly the only part of this movie that I love. <laughs> so it, yeah, I, I want to hear Sarah's. I want to hear Sarah's complaints. It just does not do it for me, and I, I know I, what a I'm not thing. here to oh. ruin anyone else's oh. yuck, anyone else's yum. Because believe me, I yum a lot of things that are yucky. I'm going to shit um, all over Urban Legends Final Cut. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think this is Cameron Crowe's greatest film i actually mm. think that jerry Maguire and vanilla sky are both better than this and more oh, interesting and more fun one of the one vanilla of, sky we are gonna one of to those are that one, one of those i'll accept wait. one of those i think is insane <laughs> doesn't no, make I it would, not awesome <laughs> i would go with say anything as being a better film oh not say anything. also i put say anything before almost famous as ah, well. the world's but on yeah, my side I with just, that one First of all, this is also the film that wrought Kate Hudson upon the world. Like, we're True. supposed to pretend like she's an actress now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I just, it, it, I did not connect with it really at all. And I kind Cameron, of Cameron like Cameron Crowe did, say, did say that he cast her because she uh-huh. she looked like Penny Lane, which, okay. which, was, which is his personal friend. And he optioned the name of the character, too. Okay, well. We also got fool's gold out of that, so thanks. <laughs> that you can blame Goldie for. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, to me, it just seemed like it. It seems like a movie with a great soundtrack that really kind of, to me, like all the people in high school who thought they were cool but actually weren't cool loved this movie <laughs> because they were like mm. they thought it made them weird and interesting. In reality, it's like it's just a movie about like rock stars it's a very good movie but very well written very well acted but like it is about like largely self-centered people making art which is you know during this time period is not uncommon and i think that if you want like a better depiction of what was happening this time period watch the eagles documentary because holy shit it's (laughs) that's amazing and it touches basically every band that exists during you know the period of the 70s and early six or late 60s and and 70s through the early 80s and it really gives you a much better idea warts and all of what this was like in this time Mm -hmm. period is like and also too i mean like this it touches on it a little bit but i don't think it enough the way that these male rockers use these women Mm -hmm. use Mm -hmm. them up like just treated them like trash and like yeah they talk about a little bit but oh she's still like uh, you know the manic pixie dream girl you know and it's just like she yeah she she is and i was waiting for i I was as i was watching it i was thinking i wonder what sarah is going to say about the (laughs) fact that we have underage girls who just we don't want to create we just want to help people who uh-huh, do uh-huh. And it's like oh someone give those girls guitars man yes go you back love and, music so much try to make some go back and watch the runaways there we go yeah. it's coming from cameron crow who's who's at this point is married to the rockinest lady band that had ever existed sure fucking and she does a lot of music on his films actually mm. um he's she's on jerry Maguire's soundtrack um, i hate that the show let me know they divorced literally 10 years to the day of this movie coming out. <laughs> like, bummer mm-hmm. but yeah i i just um yeah this movie just does not do it for me there are there are great moments in it and i mean like of course, everybody loves the tiny dancer moment. Um, and But the uncool speech, I love very much by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Well, uh, Sarah, I can absolutely, like, I, I, I'm trying to acknowledge the, uh, what, what is it? Like all the like uh, snooty privilege horseshit in this movie. But like, mm-hmm. um, 
there was just one word I forget what you said that I would replace with insecurity because mm-hmm. Stillwater is sort of a fascinating band who is like up and coming has a hit but is like falling apart at the seams because it doesn't they never they're so obsessed with how they look mm-hmm. that like you forget you already you wrote a hit you're fine you're, you're okay you have multiple songs that are on the radio and like they, but they still can't find a way to get along they in like and I think that's where the the Glenn Fry stuff comes in where like. Yes, uh, that's the, and that's where you I would think tell you're you to too go good to be watch, in our band. Go and watch the Eagles documentary because it it does. They, all those guys were in different bands, touched other bands, involved with the scene with all these bands from this ty- same time period, but actually had like great talent. I mean, if you go through the amount of hits, I'm not here to be an Eagles stand, but I'm just saying as a point of comparison, <laughs> like. The Eagles were a band that had the looks and the fucking talent, mm. and like it's it's just a way more interesting, way more I, I think that accurate the, look at the time period. The fake band Stillwater and Almost Famous, their problems are more interesting than they should have been because it's not like yeah, you're fucking my in that you know you're fucking my wife that does come into play <laughs> at some mm-hmm. point. And there's great comedic moments, but uh, I I don't know if I said that on or off mic with you guys that like um I was talking to my girlfriend about like um. I discovered Queen through Wayne's World being released. And all of a sudden on MTV, they just played Bohemian Rhapsody. And it was 60% Wayne's World footage. Seeing the Bohemian Rhapsody video without Mike Myers and Dana Carvey is weird for me. Um, <laughs> and then this this movie came out and it, it like Tiny Dancer, like it wasn't, it didn't just become a hit on the radio. Right. You could see it every day on VH1 every four hours. And well, to a pretty beautiful sequence of people sort of coming to terms with themselves. If you've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. To me also, too, I think part of the reason that it gets under my skin is that Cameron Crowe is, to me, his films and his point of view is extremely earnest. I feel like he's always making mm-hmm. like a very earnest point. And I am usually 100%. I love being earnest. I love sincerity, um, even when it's corny as fuck. But I it this movie is obvious, so obviously nakedly autobiographical that mm-hmm. it just kind of I love that, gets though. under my skin. Like it, it's like, it's, I love that though. Like declaring it in the movie him is, and his part too much. And like, the, I, well, I don't, but the spoiler of like, like I, I, in some ways it doesn't though, because mm-hmm. he's warned up front. Don't befriend these guys. You're supposed to be a journalist. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be critical. Mm-hmm. And he totally gets seduced by them. And then they totally stab him in the back. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that totally yeah, he fell in, for it. That plays into it. it all because it's like, cool, you know, he's he just loves the music too much. I don't know. You uh, know what I'm saying? It's just like mm-hmm. No, but I, I think but there's that part of like I fell in love with Penny he did fall in love with Penny Lane and like I love her. I don't did care. He? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, did he? Yeah. Well, did I mean he? like as a fifteen year old as much as a fifteen year old can. And, sure. And um as much as someone like that can, but like he, I don't know. I really like it. I feel uh, there's there's an intimacy here about this scene that is a little more honest than anything else you'll see regarding this time period in music. I, I think it's, I, it's like not I very said, grody. I really like Cameron Crowe, and I do think that he is, but I think he's extremely earnest, and I don't know how honest I would say his filmmaking is. It's not very like human emotion. Hold on. It's a portrayal of like human emotion and human connection and relationships are all glossed with like a 
sheen of like gold, you know, like it's a little mm. golden sheen. Like, and that that's one of the things I love about him. I mean, he, he explores like the purity of teenage love and say anything. And he explores the like, you know, the love of sports and, and, you know, two people coming together, yeah. like in Jerry Maguire and Bill Sky is crazy cuckoo. And I don't know if we can talk more about that. Cause I don't even know where we're going. Might be one, one of the worst movies ever made. That, that's, that's, oh, where, come on. that's where I'm at. <laughs> I, I saw a Braille Soho's first with the same actress. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. la la. Well, I've I, seen yeah. it too. And I love them both. Not two. I just said first. And like, when you see a movie remade with like a cachet, like, I know a bunch of cool album covers. Like, well, <laughs> all right, that's fair because we are actually going to dip our toe into my attitude about that next week. And and then there's after that there's nothing to crow about with your your boy Cameron because it, it's Elizabeth Town and Down. So Ugh. like so I, I not only do I know this movie very well I I bought uh, the snob in me wants to call it Untitled which is what he wanted to be called and eventually mm-hmm. it was so popular they released this on a DVD called Untitled. Um, hmm. With its original title, which was supposed to be untitled. Uh, Almost Famous is a great title, too, but untitled is pretty cool. I love the idea that we just mentioned Urban Legends Final Cut as number one at the box office and just leave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to say about it. I mean, we did, did any no. of us watch it? Nope. No. Who gives a shit? Number one at the box office. If you like it, you won't like Almost Famous. Bye. Um, <laughs> oh. Although I did look into it and find out like, Please oh, say. it made half as much money as the first Urban Legends. And wow. then after that, they started going straight to DVD. Mm. And the good news is the killer turns out to be Hart Bachner. Yay. Hans. Booby. I, I love a- <laughs> Hans. Booby. Oh, Hans. That guy. Oh, my Bubby. God. <laughs> Yay. All right. I'm down for that. Um, speaking of soon to be revealed villains in 2000. <laughs> It is the 30th anniversary of ABC's Monday Night Football this week. Hooray. Oh, my God. The theme song to Monday Night Football was like the theme song to my childhood, basically. <laughs> like, So we shouldn't tell you what he said about Barack Obama to delete oh no. the entire theme I'm, song from the history of this show. I'm very familiar. And okay. I, of course, jettison all my previous <laughs> Goodwill. <laughs> but at the time when I was like seven, I thought that was like the coolest theme song ever. I think yeah. Sarah hurt Look, one of my I, movies I and I'm like... dying. I'm dying to put something on Sarah by the end of this episode. I want her dragged across the Reddit. Stop. No. You know. I've had enough. You I guys. know it's a joke. <laughs> I, am, I like Hank William Jr.'s music as much as, uh, as much as the next person, but he's a terrible person. But I can separate them. Uh, I'm cool like that. I have better musical taste than the next person, so I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't care at all. Uh, Gross Point is a show that's created by Darren Starr and debuts in the WB this week on the 22nd. Uh, how about that? I never saw it. It got great reviews. And, oh really? Yeah, uh, yeah. Kind of shit the bed, but I, I didn't know. Like I, w- I was like, this has to be Darren Starr's first show. I'm like, he created 90210. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know his name till Sex and the City. But uh, yeah, and the, the the bigger thing that sent me down. I, I, I'm always casually involved with comic minutia, but Static Shock confuses the shitter to me. Static Shock uh, debuts this week on the WB. I proved me wrong. This is the first black superhero-led cartoon based on a comic character that I can think of. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Prove me wrong. I, I know Fat Albert watched, was it like Brown Lightning? <laughs> but, but it wasn't the star of the show. Uh but it's it's so weird because like um DC, who 
who you guys know, publishers of Superman and Batman, published Milestone Comics, a deliberately, we want to make comics with people of color as the stars because that's an underserved market 20 years ago. And Mm -hmm. DC's like, well, we'll help publish the comics. And when it came time to develop any comic into a show, they chose Static Shock, which technically isn't part of the DC universe. It is mm-hmm. a, it's, it's a comic DC publishes. And the, the cartoon, Static Shock, uh, or the, with the character Static, introduces a bunch of DC characters, which, like, you know, long story short, 10 years later, DC owns the Milestone universe. There's no difference. But it starts with a cartoon on uh, WB. And uh, Cartoon Network. I think that's very strange because, like, uh, uh, Static didn't meet DC characters until the cartoon. Um, and, and he was never a DC character. Tec- technically, publishing, ah, it's so boring. Uh, video. Very ugh. confusing. I'm just looking at Gross Point. I would like someone in the comments to tell me if this is worth watching because it was only 17 episodes. But you said, oh, Darren Starr worked on Beverly Hills 90210, and this is. A behind this, it, the show is about the behind the scenes on a nine hundred two one zero ripoff. Oh, they're, that they're... sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. Well, yeah. every time we talk about Darren Star, I also have to bring up Younger. Younger is fantastic. I recommend it to Ooh. everyone. Uh, and uh, video games, of course. We'll talk more about these on patreoncom slash time if you want to toss us five bucks or more. Um, but five bucks is fine. Uh, Baldur's Gate 2, Shadows of... I mean, there's a lot of vowels missing in this. I mean, <laughs> uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. If you're out there playing the remastered edition, like, God damn, is this game fun. It's one of the best games I've ever played in my life. I'm so happy. But perhaps the most sought-after title for retro gamers, collectors, fans, fishing out everywhere... The Little Mermaid 2 Pinball Frenzy is also out this week. Um, <laughs> you're really going to love that. You're going to wow. love that. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, uh, brand new I love owner both of, of those things. Game Boy Color. You're going to love. It's Ursula's sister, Bursula. I, I watched this movie, <laughs> and that line is almost verbatim. It was fucking crazy. <laughs> Remember how Ursula died? That's her worst sister, Bursula. And then, like, the movie starts. Is it it's so Arnold bad. Schwarzenegger? Yeah, I'm so <laughs> The seaweed is always greener. And somebody's else is like, ah! <laughs> you don't hurt because you're dead. <laughs> and we'll close out with still water. Please, people, I know this is long. Stay right there for 2010 because it's, it, it's so much more fun. Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-hosts Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars with a Big Giant Question Mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash time. Here's a little taste. My funky. <laughs> oh, Star Wars edits. Here's a, my definite, like, a, a rundown of the amount of Star Wars edits that there have been. Uh, editorial tampering began as early as 1977 because some of the effects either were unfinished or they released a cut <laughs> accidentally with unfinished unfinished effects in between the small release and, on May 4th. 
1977, there were two ver- technically two versions of Star Wars out there, and you can prove it by it. people were bootlegging it immediately. This obviously was an, an immediate smash set success, so people were bringing... I don't even know if you can call them camcorders, but whatever... Not yeah, how? Yeah. What the hell were they bringing in there? Video cameras. How? And this is my favorite. Due to space issues uh, on the CED formats, long time ago, Laser Time did a show about dead formats. I, forget, I hope... And then people started sending me CEDs, movies on vinyl, <laughs> sometimes known as Disco Vision. Uh, oh my God! What? Yeah, I got. Uh, I think Kevin's got. If you at Cap City, our friend Kevin, he's got one for Friday the Thirteenth. I have Pinocchio and Emmett Otter on CET, and for some reason, any which way but loose. I don't know who sent me that, but thank you. Uh, but the CED, oh, a, 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 like obviously shitty technology. Otherwise, we would know something about it. To fit on the file format, it had to speed the movie up three percent, shaving. <laughs> Shaving three minutes off of Star Wars runtime. Three percent. Three percent over. That's actually a lot. Monkey. Oh, that's sick of Star Wars. Available exclusively at Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime, along with weekly bonus shows, over a hundred movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of September 18th through 24, not a movie recommendation, but a music requirement. Because, unfortunately, 50 years ago this week, on September 18th, 1970, is when we lost Mr. Jimi Hendrix. He was 27, like so many of them are. But my assignment of the entire Jimi Hendrix discography will take you one afternoon, uh, because he only had three actual albums. Are You Experienced, Axis Bold as Love, and Electric Ladyland from 67 and 68 combined, and this one live album called Band of Gypsies, and that's basically it. And yet he completely fucking revolutionized rock music as we know it, and everybody rips him off to this day, and I don't know what else to say, except that uh, the, the word revolutionary. He was revolutionary. All these musicians, and they're just sort of playing guitars and they're nice and they're experimenting and doing stuff and he's just going crazy with the effects and the wah-wah pedals and and the whammy bar and the setting his guitar on fire and playing it with his teeth and it's ah god damn i just nothing better than putting on headphones and listening to Jimi hendrix especially in stereo if you can find it just because the sound's coming from all over the place god damn ah <sighs> yeah r.i.p Jimi hendrix he's been gone Almost twice as long as he was alive. And uh, that sucks 50 years ago this week. But for a movie recommendation, I might as well throw out... uh, I've already mentioned that it's the 60th anniversary of The Apartment this year. And I'm going to mention it again this week. Because you know who loves Billy Wilder almost as much as me? Cameron Crowe does. He did an entire book-length interview with Billy Wilder. And you might notice that there is a plot point from The Apartment that is also in Almost Famous. So hey, go watch the original, goddammit. The Apartment from 1960. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And that's it for this week. Stay classic.
coming in with Teenage Dream by Katy Perry because it's number one this week. I forgot the girl I was dating was obsessed with Katy Perry. I'm like, I don't know the song. Like, oh man, I know this song. <laughs> oh lord. <laughs> I have to say something about Katy Perry's vibe definitely gets under my skin. But god dang, this song is a banger. I think yeah. it should get under your vibe. I think a 35-year-old person's making a song called Teenage Dream to teenagers is disingenuous. And I say that as a Weezer fan. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And <laughs> Welcome to 2010, everyone. September 18th to the 24th. Uh, that was Katy Perry bringing us in the, uh, the brand new decade. We've got some new releases this week as well. Record Collection by Mark Ronson. Tiger Suit by KT Tunstall. Songs uh, by Singles by Torch. Imperfect Harmonies by Serge Tankian. Uh, hey, I'm system of a down. I, yeah. I know. I'm just like, I've had a couple drinks. Leave me alone. Oh, uh, are you Tankian? <laughs> I have not eaten today. I've only eaten Mountain Dew and whiskey. Uh, a Year Without Rain by Selena Gomez. Wow, that's posthumous. Um, Ithaca by Paul Cole. My, <laughs> my Darkest Days by <laughs> Darkest Days and Wake Up by John Legend and The Roots. Yeah. I want to see more crossovers and collaborations, people. Chop, Word. chop. I want, to, I want to plug the show. Collab. I want to plug the show Woke, by the way. That that, that shit is amazing. Die, you should totally watch. Oh, um, I, I was... Like, oh, I'm kind of interested. And then I found out, oh, it's by Keith Knight, who's been a cartoonist yep. in the Bay Area for like a jillion years. And he's so funny. It's very Bay Area centric. And like uh, executive yells at him, you have to be John Legend. You have to wake. You have, you have to wait 10 years before you're allowed to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> or just get a real hot, mouthy wife. Yeah. He had, but he had to earn that. He can't just be crazy overnight. Um, <laughs> good show. Really good show. Uh, news 2010 2010 September 18th to the 24th Facebook has one of its worst outages in a decade before oh. or since only uh, it lasted and I, I, I if I I feel like if I say this the Facebook outage of 2010 I was in an office with people who had talked to one another and it's like people who didn't have Twitter were like who do I even tell there's an outage like, <laughs> like it was it was silly and we realized how Facebook had already had a lot of control of our lives and I, I took this I think from a few years later but downtime can allegedly cost Facebook um, seven million dollars an hour good or uh, two hundred thousand mm. dollars a second <laughs> Ooh. you know what I think this mm. is mm. I think this is a Lex Luthor flex for a movie coming out next week mm, flex oh. Luthor <laughs> oh no he's warning us all no. Yeah? You want Facebook? Well, what if mm -hmm. I take your Facebook away? No. Mm. <laughs> what's, what's cooler than having Facebook? Billions! Oh, sorry. I was, that was the wrong I don't know. Reason. Nothing. That was, that was the wrong Genocide in Myanmar. <laughs> <laughs> Arrest him. That was very... Yes, and this fucking Madame Tussauds haircut. I'm sick of that guy. Oh. Uh, people freak out uh, this week at Katy Perry's wearing a low-cut top to sing with Elmo. And this is written by Diana. <laughs> people are dumb. That's so, people are dumb. Yes. Yeah, because the children that are watching Sesame Street are still, like, not that far off from having tits in their face all the time. Because they're babies. <laughs> <laughs> just reminds them of a couple years ago it's nostalgia hey mom you look at the cantaloupes and that girl next to Elmo no one's saying that like that's not happening it's your fucking it's your fucking grief being projected it's your fucking on weird Street. ass hangups mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and, and just enjoy Katy Perry's breasts they're not gonna be around forever you're an adult <laughs> true <laughs> have fun 
exactly. Have fun. 18th to 24th in movies. Oh, my God. This is going to get so cool. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like Dandelion uh, Dust with Mir Servino, Barry Pepper, <laughs> Kate Levering, Maxwell Perry Cotton, and Cole Hauser. A bunch of people who could not be movie stars were thrown into this movie. Um, yep. I actually got really, really good reviews, though, but oh. barely got released. And I guess it's based on a book because that's the only way to explain that title. Mm-hmm. Like Dandelion Dust is like, well, this sounds like nothing I ever want to watch. But I guess it's Barry Pepper is like an alcoholic ex-con and he wants to reconnect with his son who's been adopted. And so he starts bothering this family. Mm. Um, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting topic. Um, I, I can and relate. Like I said, reviews were good, but nobody saw it. Um, and we also have The Experiment with Adrian Brody, uh, Cam Giganet. I really want that to be something internet soundy. Giganet. Giganet. Uh, and Forrest Whitaker, I've never heard of this either. Uh, it went to straight to DVD in a lot of places, and it is, it's a fiction movie based on the Stanford prison experiment. I love so fiction they movie. take a bunch of people, make them prisoners, a bunch of other people make them guards, and see how long it takes for the people to get mad with power. Answer, about 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Made in Dagenham yeah. with Sally Hawkins, Miranda Richardson, um, Geraldine James, Rosamund Pike. James uh, James Winston and Bob Hoskins. All right. Yeah. yeah. And Richard Schiff. Yep. Made, this, Made in Dagenham is pretty fun. It's so great. I love <laughs> this movie so much. I mean, I Diana, figure you, you would know. Yeah. It's so good. It's set during the 60s, right? Early 60s mm-hmm. um, yep. at a Ford plant in Dagenham. And it's based on this true life strike that the female machinists at this Ford plant who were basically tasked with sewing the interior, you know, uh, seat covers and stuff for these cars, uh, they went on strike because they were being paid at a much lower rate than their male counterparts, which is fucking horseshit, as we all mm. know. And uh, so they struck and it was, it's amazing. It's such a great movie. It's like really fun. The acting's fantastic. It's seems very true to life. The fashions are a joy to watch with your eyes. Mm. And Bob Hoskins is just a fucking delight. I just love yeah. this movie. Yeah. It's like if, if all the office ladies and Mad Men went on strike. Yeah, mm. pretty much. But yeah. they had awesome accents. <laughs> yeah. They also have accents. And then it was made into a musical. Yes. Um, which I found not as much information on because I guess it was on stage, mm-hmm. but it was supposed to be pretty fun. But yeah, the movie, it's one of those things where it's like, I've never heard of this. It happens to be on late at night. You watch it or you just see like, oh, wow, this cast is really good. I wonder what this is. And you're like, why didn't I hear about this movie? Exactly. I want to go also, bother people and tell them to go watch it. It's fun. 100% stay through the credits because they have real life footage of all the women, the real women who did the strike and who are, you know, giving interviews to the news at the time. And it's just, it's so wonderful to like see them like be like, yeah, of course we deserve equal pay with men. I don't know. And it was a I, fever dream that Americans can only dream of. I find them <laughs> to be anarchists and we should send giant troves of police officers. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know how a real leader says that, let alone me as a joke. And then yeah, maybe if we beat them a bunch, then they'll <laughs> shut their mouthy faces. Oh That's no, they're coming worked. out to protest. These us people them. haven't hit, been hit enough to be happy. You know. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter because they got those big hair. You just, you're just gonna lose your baton in there. Doesn't work. Doesn't do shit. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. soak up all the pepper bullets. Uh, <laughs> 
fucking this I've always wanted to see because it looks disastrous, disastrous. But oh. it, like people, uh, I don't know if I go. No, no, animation far. fans don't hate <laughs> Legend of the Guardians: The Owls of Gahul. 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 Uh, I feel like I'm a character in Winnie the Pooh every time I say that. <laughs> the Hours of Gahool. Uh, Jim Sturgis, Hugo Weaving, uh, Ryan Quad, Jer- Jeffrey Rush, Emily Barclay, uh, David Wenham, a bunch of British people. When his kingdom falls, those birds are doing something wrong. Let us go! They want to enslave us all. A young owl will begin his quest. We need to find the guardians of Gahul. And in search of a legend. They're the only ones who can save us. He will become one. Come on, Tauren. We're not finished yet, boy. You too can be a great guardian. Legend of the Guardians in theaters and IMAX 3D. September 20th. <laughs> <laughs> mm, the stupid yeah. complicated. Well, technically, we got a lot of Australians in here. Because right. it's true. Sort of technically an Australian film. Uh, yeah, right. some, yeah. some Kiwis up in the and uh, Ryan Quanton actually is the guy who played Suki's brother on True Blood. Mm. Oh, okay. Now There's I really, fact. now I really yeah. want to toss a mess on me bead spree. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, um, so let me say, let me say two nice things about this off the bat. <laughs> okay. Number one, it is beautiful looking. Yeah. It is beautiful looking, and number two, I want more live action directors to do animation and vice versa. This is Zack Snyder directing an animated film. Who that's where he belongs. Yeah. In animation, he'd be, do a that's, great job there. He would usher in a new era of animation. I swear, just stay away from DC characters. Like finish your stupid HBO Max thing and leave. And and, and but I think looking at this, mm. like I remember being a kid and like this looks like a bird documentary <laughs> to children. <laughs> like this is what's what's wrong with CG people. You didn't make appealing characters. Like you just made everything look real. Mm. And and this doesn't have the cachet of the Lion King to get people to go see it. it. It has a subtitle because it's based on a book series. Which you know, come on, if it was that popular, one of us would have heard of it, and we haven't. Well, and it's for little kids. I know, but I'm just, but I'm telling you, like, uh, this is. This is exactly what's wrong with animation, in my opinion. Everything about this, because like it's not stylized; it's just like real owls, and like who the fuck wants to see real owls do anything? Stylize well, them. Fucking real owls are cool. I would just rather I'm not saying see that. real owls. Real owls do something. Wow, right. it's hard to say. Real not owls do. Aha! Who's had too much whiskey now? Huh? Mm. Turn it on its head. Mm. Uh, it's actually a cabernet. Also, uh, <laughs> out this week. Oh, you again with Kristen Bell, Jamie Lee Curtis, Sigourney <laughs> Weaver, Odette Eustman, uh, Kristen Shannon with Betty White, and Victor Gerber. You again. My brother is about to marry the girl who single-handedly ruined my life in high school. You were prettier with the mask on. Don't let the way those girls treated you bring you down. You got this. Nothing to be afraid of. can't relate to what I went through. Nobody gets through high school unscathed. I knew. I don't want to see this movie. Okay, I... good. Don't. It's fucking dreadful. Uh, <laughs> it's real bad. Of course I took the bullet and watched this. And it fucking sucks because it has basically everyone I love in it, right. including, mm. you did mention, uh, Reginald Val Johnson, The Rock, and what? Kristen Chenoweth. 
Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Carl of Duty from Die Hard? It's all in there. Oh, but yeah, yeah, this movie sucks, man. Yeah. Like I turned just, it off. I gave yeah. up. And I was like, I was kind of hopeful, like, oh, the idea of okay, Kristen Bell is someone who was like bullied in high school and now her brother is going to marry her bully. And then it turns out, oh, the bully's aunt is someone who bullied her mom. So it's that's Sigourney Weaver and Jamie Lee Curtis. Like I okay. flip flop. Her mom bullied, bullied the Sigourney bully's Weaver. aunt. Yeah. Right. So it's Whatever like it is. Multiple levels of yeah. bullying and dealing with that and apologizing and can you apologize? And uh, and it just is so wackety, smackety, slap happy. God <laughs> damn. Yeah. And for all these cool actors, they're just like so freaking just shallow, shrill stereotypes of uh-huh. screaming, horrible women. Uh-huh. Ooh, that's why you got to write things for yourself. God damn. And yeah. it just like, it, you know, it could have said something really interesting about or good about like bullying and forgiveness and redemption. And instead it doesn't. It kind of like tells us like a a lesson about excusing an abuser who like should not be excused. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like it just there's no if there is a message it's not a good one but there's probably actually just no message here just a bunch mm. excuse to just watch women fight which is mm. Look what yeah. dca was so much better about bullying yes absolutely that. yeah this movie's trash yeah. which I, Victor, I, I picked Victor up this Harbor deserves better. i picked up this yeah. week for 79 cents it's it, a 10 year old movie it shouldn't cost you this much it's crazy uh yeah, with these kinds of stars uh and and the biggest movie of the week, stupidly, I hate this movie. Number one at the box <laughs> office. Uh, Wall Street Never Sleeps with Michael Douglas, Shia LaBeouf, Carrie Mulligan, um, Josh Brolin. I'm sorry, Franklin you Jill did not get that title right. Uh, Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. There you go. There's a colon. Oh, Wall Street colon Money Never Sleeps. <laughs> oh, I, like, it's... Oh. Should be Wall Street's colon because this movie is shit. You said that. But sometimes it's the only place to stay sane because everybody out there is nuts. What? Nobody around here believes in comebacks. The one thing I learned is that money is not the prime asset in life. Time is. Stop telling lies about me. I'll stop telling the truth about you. Wall Street. Money never sleeps. Rated PG-13. I, I think this Ooh, is such... that makes it sound way cooler than it is. It's such mm-hmm. a weird... It's a, it's, it's, it's a, a weird miscalculation. Because, like, mm-hmm. Wall Street is a iconic movie, and I watched it in, like, you know, the two... 2000s, 2010s, the first Wall Street. Mm. Oliver Stone's yeah. like 1986 Wall Street. I think Michael Douglas's Gordon Gecko had time to gestate as a villain in mm. multiple ways that are terrible. And I, it, it makes me hate the first Wall Street because like, I know Wall Street guys worship him. They worship oh, the villain of Wall Street. Talk about and, people uh, whose fans are terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, Wall Street is a great movie. I absolutely... It may be my favorite Oliver Stone movie, honestly. Like that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. it's really good, and it's a hundred percent misunderstood by its biggest fans. Yes. I mean, yeah. like we just talked about Boiler Room, like what, like six months ago? No, we just talked about ago? Goodfellas, like uh, yeah. But I, exactly. but in Boiler Room, yeah, I want to hit people Wall and Street. sleep around. Goodfellas, <laughs> they're the watching Wall Street in Boiler Room and like quoting lines to each other. Like this is something Greed you aspire to, which was not the point. Yeah, the guy was the villain and went down at the end, and um, 
this is supposed to be the modern takedown, and this is like the, the housing crisis has happened, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. so that's why this feels incredibly timely, because the housing crisis, we're, we're still in it in 2010. Because nobody wanted um, a sequel. I don't think anyone asked a- for a sequel even like four months after this movie made blah 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 dollars i think so i mean it seems perfectly timed you know by by the guy you know who did wall street before and he's gonna Mm. look at you know how things got even worse in the interim and and it actually like does address stuff about some prime mortgages and all that but it turns out it's actually like pretty boring yeah fucking it's it's super boring like we turned it off halfway through because it's just wasted like it it could have been good. I think there there's yeah. a story here. I think it could have been good. You have a fantastic cast. I mean, I love Shia LaBeouf. Honestly, he's a cuckoo. But like, I, I thought remember, he's good in it. I thought he was too. I think he's good in most things. I really like that guy. I was, yeah. I was texting Angie so while I was watching it. Like, he's not a sex pest, right? And like, I said to her, like, fine. you're the one who alerts me on the sex pest. How true, am I supposed to I know that? But I just wanted to check, double check, because I hadn't heard anything bad about him. And, I mean, of course, we've got Michael Douglas, who I love, love, love. Mm-hmm. And the only sex pesty thing, really, that we know about him is that he blamed his throat cancer yes. on eating too much pussy, which I <laughs> support. Yeah, he's fucking, he fucking <laughs> scarlet lettered his wife's vagina, which everybody wanted. It's so mean. So mean. I, want to... I mean, that's my favorite thing about Michael Douglas. Yeah. HPV. Most people have it. Who doesn't want to pull a T-Mobile? Who doesn't want to pull a T-Mobile on his wife? Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> If you're young enough yeah. to be listening to this, then you are of the age to get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Yeah, go mm. go get the shot. I, I was hopeful that this would be better than it was. And there's some good stuff in here. But it's mostly just stuff that reminds me of the first one. So yeah. much of it yep. is overly complicated and dry. I think it's and dog shit. Bummer. Dog shit. Like, well, of mm. course it's a bummer. Yeah. Mm. A lot of it's just a huge bummer without any of like the fun stuff that made Wall Street fun. The original yeah. Wall Street, you know. Which I don't yeah. think is fun. Because I saw it way later. Like I have no love for the, the original oh. movie. Oh, you don't love it? I know what you're saying. And I, I know it's 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 it's... It's Oliver Stone at the height of his fucking talent, uh, yeah. mm. telling a story about something he's vehemently opposed to, mm-hmm. and 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 doing a really elegant job. But like, I wasn't there in '86, man. I was fucking in a sandbox <laughs> with Star Wars figures. I don't. I, I saw it when I was twenty. Like, this movie sucks. I hate it. I don't. I, I mean, I don't. it still applies though. It all. Still I'm not applies. saying it doesn't yeah. apply. Does Oliver Stone? Does he have like? He has a pretty good track record of like. No. Trying to make a movie. No, I'm saying. <laughs> Trying to make a movie condemning a thing, but accidentally glorifying it. Uh, <laughs> I, if, I saw W, and I haven't watched anything he's ever done ever since. I mean, mm. but I mean, look at Natural Born Killers. Mm-hmm. Movie's amazing. Any given Sunday. Salvador. Mm-hmm. Wall Street. Yeah, I'm with you, Platoon. Mm-hmm. I, I love my Ollie Stone. Um, I mean, I don't hate him, but he just. But I just need to man, get his message after, right. Take my word on and this. After he's born the worst. on the Fourth of July, I wanted to go at a VA hospital so bad. It looked like so All much right. fun. Well, yes, there's an exception to every rule. <laughs> <laughs> no interest. Yeah. No interest. And like, I, I, I'm, I'm. It's weird because like this movie's not. It's not so much that people were asking for it. It was answering a bat signal that like, well, you should make mm. this movie. Now. Well, yeah, and, because yeah. they they had to like reverse engineer how he could have 
a daughter that was Carrie Mulligan's age that he had like known as a child. So he had to like kind of do some finagling exposition. I of doubt like, it. Well, I didn't go to jail for that. I went to jail for this other He went thing. to jail for fraud and Wall Street crimes. He was in jail for 18 months and he got out. That's all you have to, mm. that's all you have to say. That's what happens to everybody. I'm reading about Henry Hill and Jordan Belfort, everything Martin Scorsese. Those people got half a million dollars and like we're out immediately. Like it, it, mm. Yeah, it's, it's not a thing. It, it, it didn't even need that, that kind of stretch. You're going to go away for the rest of your life. For for exchange fraud, I doubt it. No, I, not walking out of Sing Sing. I, yeah. You got to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. No, watch The Big Short instead. Yeah. Agree. And, it, and, and watch and The Original I was, Wall Street. I was going to mention that. Yeah. Like, like, who is the villain in Big Short? Because they're, they're all kind of bad people. They're taking all. advantage of bad yeah. things. And that's a much better cold look at what we're dealing with here. Big oh, Short. Yeah. Watch Big Short twice instead of Wall Street once. I don't think anyone would accuse Oliver Stone of having any sort of cold looks on anything. <laughs> Watch his interviews with uh, Putin. It's great. It's oh, great. Buddy. Oliver Stone's got a good head on his shoulders. TV. This to me is so fascinating because like um, oh, we don't we feel we like. We got ten- some internet link. We got right. internet leakage on TV we, this week. We don't feel like 10 years ago is that long. But Fred the Movie, um, starring Lucas, why do I have to say this? Crickshank, uh, pick and, and Pixie Lot debuting on uh, Nickelodeon, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, but this is a movie based on a YouTube, the first, it's not the first movie based on a YouTube character, but it's the first one with like it was supposed to go to theaters and then Nickelodeon bought it. And they're like, this isn't a good idea. Uh, tech, a bunch of five year olds don't have a bunch of. Don't have a bunch of movie theater money. It, didn't, it worked in reverse back in the day. They would get our parents into taking us to see movies, not the other way around. Because in my experience, that doesn't work. Fred the movie, and this is this. I remember this. Does no one have uh, any remembrance of Fred, the high pitched yeah, talking YouTube character? Yeah, it's one it's of YouTube's like first big stars. Up. Like, uh, shit, I guess about fifteen years ago. Yeah, a huge star. He, he, this is the first of three movies that air on Nickelodeon. This is the second highest rated thing in cable television this week. Uh, Fred the movie, and it's the first thing I remember. Like, we're all working on the internet, thinking we're doing respectable work. This guy is a hack, and like, he's fine. Kids should have their own earnest. Who cares? Uh, and then, but then. I, I, at least I can bitch about this because the casting. Shit my dad says. Ugh. The first ever show <sighs> based on a Twitter account airs God damn it. on CBS this week. Um, with so like too, too many, too, too many people who are too talented to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Why is there not better things for Will Sasso and William Shatner? Um, and Nicole Sullivan. And Nicole Sullivan. Yeah, Nicole Sullivan. Sorry, well, William Shatner and Will Sasso to me are God tier. I, I do like Nicole Sullivan. I said if we needed, I hate this. I watched all the clips that were still available on CBS's account because they just started uploading YouTube videos this year to, to like promote their shows 10 well, years ago. Their audience is just discovering YouTube. So. Shit, my dad says. <laughs> and like, in, if we were, most of us were following this Twitter account back then. But uh, because this show existed and it had shit in its name and there was a minor controversy, like, I don't want to see that shit about. I, I was. I don't want to see that poop in my fucking cable guide feed. And like, all right, not only are we going to play down the title, we're going to like make sure the tweets, the tweets became sanitized. Uh, they started mm-hmm. deleting cursy tweets. Like, how is how does this please anyone? You've you've <laughs> now watered down the original product, which wasn't really that great to begin with. We know now, but uh, and you you grab Captain Kirk 
and and curly curly <laughs> to be in the show. I grabbed a clip. It's not good. Can I ask you a question? How come you have a better relationship with your vegetables than you do with your children? Because with the vegetables, there are no surprises. You always know what you're going to get when they grow up. Put a cucumber seed in the ground, it never comes up a turnip. I've never had a zucchini try and change me. I've never had a carrot ask me for internet. This isn't about the internet, Dad. It's about you refusing to make any compromises for me. I'm letting you live here, aren't I? That's a compromise. You're letting me stay here. You are not letting me live here. If you're not living here, how come the soap has a beard? I think that's verbatim a tweet from the account, which is like cute and funny and like one thing, but like, did I just actively tune in to listen to this joke? I hate this. Twitter and sitcoms aren't the same thing. Was this before we figured out people just fake stuff like this for clout? Well, I think the person who created the account is sort of a genius because he knew how to make this is 140 character days, not 280. Mm. He knew how to make perfectly succinct jokes. That was like the people who made themselves on Twitter then, like it's way it's way easier now to make jokes. Well, yeah, but I mean, the point of the Twitter was not that he was making jokes. The point of it was that he was like writing down shit his dad said, right? right? But that's what the show tries to be. And it's like, as much as I wanted to see William Shatner as a cantankerous dad, his current Twitter is terrible. (laughs) And I don't want to see that at all. Yeah. (laughs) I don't don't think it's him. I So they say. So they say. How could it be? And I remember my old boss, Gary Steinman, said this show from Martin Scorsese, appearing in two seconds. There you go. Uh, said, this is the most elegantly I've ever been bored out of my mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Michael so Solberg, uh, Michael Shannon, Kelly McDonald, Michael Pitt, and Steve Buscemi as Nucky, uh, short for Ena, Enoch, which was mm-hmm. my doctor's name. My, the guy who birthed me. I never heard anybody with this name before. Boardwalk Empire debuts on HBO, and this show sucks so weirdly. <laughs> it sucks. It's so I, boring. And I know you and you yeah. and Michael are fans. Defend it. Yeah, no, I I like it, but yeah, it's boring. Mm-hmm. If you want a lot of action, you are in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Even though it's about prohibition. And Al Capone it's is there. Pretty freaking <laughs> slow mm-hmm. and takes its time. But it looks elegant and beautiful, and therefore I find it relaxing even while murders are happening. And uh, I hate I like it. But Mike- it does have some of the worst of prestige television in that like it's very, very slow. <laughs> well, it takes itself very seriously. Very too. seriously. Yeah. It takes the time and place so seriously that it tends to bog stuff down. And then it'll get a bit soap opera-y for a while, but slowly, and then it'll just because it's uh Terrence Winter so- and, and and uh Martin Scorsese, like a Sopranos writer in Martin Scorsese. Mm. This should be instant gold. All we have to do yeah. is put like a hundred million dollars effect in effects per season behind the show to make it look old and slow. It sucks. So the only thing good about the show is Michael Shannon. I, I well, discovered oh, him here. He is fantastic. Yeah. Honestly, I mean the first season or maybe two, if you want to watch those and then you can bow out and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You, you'll get the flavor of the whole show. Uh, that- and that's probably the best parts. So, Maybe talk a little bit about like it, what it's about, right? It's like about prohibition, right? Yeah, yeah. it's States. about uh, Steve Buscemi plays basically the the no. guy in charge in Atlantic City just as prohibition starts, and so there's you know different mobs getting involved and starting to form. I'm not, not going to have Irish. Booze. 
That's crazy. Uh, That's my Steve Buscemi, by the way. You're welcome. Right. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, you get basically the Irish, the Italian, and the Jews are pretty much all forming into different gangs because Mm -hmm. there's so much money to be made because prohibition was a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because people like Lekka. And it's about Atlantic City at the time, which was like a big bustling town before uh, it all fell apart because of cheap airfare and Donald Trump. Hmm. Yep. The only guy could ruin a casino. I would say that if you like this time period, but maybe aren't married to the idea of staying in the United States, instead of watching this, watch Peaky Blinders. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. And it they deals with like a lot of the same feel and a lot of the same time period. It, it gives you the same sort of look, but a lot more uh, action and sexuality. This is a dumb criticism, hmm. well, but I'm still... There's so- a fair amount of sex on it, but... Uh... But is it sexy sex? Well, uh, sometimes. I mean, like, the problem is, like, all the actors are fucking great. Like, Kelly McDonald is fucking great. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael Shannon is, you know, a fed, and he's terrifying. He's yeah. a super religious fed who likes to scourge himself. And Michael mm-hmm. Pitt, so, that fucking maniac. I believe every character. Yeah. I believe he is every character I've ever seen him as. Gross. <laughs> like a sad, yeah. like a fucking piss psycho Nazi. Yeah. I mean, the first time yeah. I saw Michael Shannon was in Revolution Road, Revolutionary Road. Oh, and uh, then see him in this next. I was like, yeah, that's right. I thought like I've never seen a, a fully formed Coen Brothers character just appear <laughs> in front of me. And it's Michael Shannon. He should have his he yeah. should have like three Coen Brothers movies. Just watch Peaky Blinders. It's way more fun. Yeah. And it's not a ton of fun. I, I, I always tell the story. Um, it was a couple years ago, right after we started our Patreon. I had to go to the beach with my parents at a, at a house they had borrowed. And it was in Mexico Beach. There is no internet on the entire island. This is like th- three, four years ago. And they have a they have a 13-inch television there with a DVD player. And it gets over-the-air channels, two of them. One of them was showing Mike and Molly. One of them was showing Monopoly, hosted by the guy from Mike and Molly. So, like, you would flip between the two channels. <laughs> and just seen the same guy all the time. Like, I've never seen Mike and Molly. I... I'm not the audience for this. I'm not trying to shit on it because it gave us Melissa McCarthy. No, it didn't. And, well, well, no. it, it made. Gilmore her... Girls gave us Melissa McCarthy, it, and then oh, I don't it was that a at major. All. It was a major platform. It's the big step up for Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah. Have we yeah, talked about Bridesmaids yet? Nope. It gave us Melissa McCarthy. I guess we haven't shut gotten Shut your Gilmore's nonsense up, and, and, and like, but also like Melissa McCarthy. Like, I love Spy and Bridesmaids. But a lot of the stuff she's done is, makes me so mad, and it's terrible. But well, what? It's a, it's a it's a couple comedy. What do you want? Yeah. No, I, I like a show about two fat people. I love Roseanne. Let her make money. And this is the <laughs> silliest thing about CBS uh, debuting this week. Oh, Tom boy. Selleck, Duane Warburg, and Bridget Moynihan. Blue Bloods debuts, and this is the only show we can say this week is still on the air that debuts yep. in thirty twenty ten. It's still there. NRA spokesman Tom Selleck, yeah. Blue Bloods. Yeah, they're mm. they're it's the co-ops, but they're also a family. Mm. I but Both I I, generations I do co-ops. I do remember like this had accolades from critics immediately because it was yeah. uh, younger cops who didn't like the way of their older dad cops and. Okay. Know, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. It, like, let us know in the comments or don't or you don't have the internet or I don't know how you're listening to this if you watch Blue Bloods, but. <laughs> But I mean, I, I do have a soft spot in my heart for Tom Selleck. Everyone does. Mm-hmm. I just, it's called, like, it's, it's I called. love his muttery acting. Just like mm-hmm. mutters a lot. 
who loves friends has a soft spot yeah. in heart for him. I almost mm-hmm. hate that man. But what I really wanted to talk about was Community Season 2. It debuts this week mm-hmm. in Antho- Anthropology 101 uh, with Betty White as their new professor. So it, it starts off Community's real stunt casting. Hi, we have a second season. But like uh, we're sort of legit. And I, I really love Community. We've said that a billion times, right? Have we not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go over all that again. But like most of the time when we like when, – when my friends and I like a show like Community as much as we do, it doesn't get another season. And this <laughs> this one did, and it kept getting more expensive and more seasons. It was It's great. It's why people are discovering on Netflix now and losing their fucking mind. So there's uh, two reasons in this episode that become memorable forever. So Chang, Ken Jong appears on like the second, third episode of Community as a Spanish teacher, Senor Chang, a great character, but Community has to kind of figure out how... Once they leave that class, how do you keep How do you keep the Spanish teacher? So I forget exactly what it is, but he basically becomes a student again. And they mm-hmm. have to reset him. <laughs> because I found out he lied about his entire degree. It's right. the same, it's the same reason like Winger's Jeff. there. Just like yeah. Jeff. And like, yeah. He, he doesn't speak to, Spanish. He's in the same place as Jeff was in the first episode. I love it. And, mm-hmm. and this episode spawns two things that I think people will talk about forever, whether or not they know community. Because it, uh, Chang has to reset. He's no longer their adversarial teacher. He's their adversarial peer. And... Mm-hmm. At the end of the episode, Betty White has set up a trick question, and uh, Jeff has to give gives one of his patented like I'm going to bring everyone together with a, a nice emotional score answers. And Chang is still figuring out his adversarial relationship, and this is still a meme to this day for people who know how to use it appropriately. It was a trick question. The tool most important to humanity's survival wasn't any of the nine in the box. Go on. The most important tool is respect. Ha! <laughs> I had to. Everyone has seen that in their comments feed in a GIF or a YouTube video. It is way funnier in the actual episode where he's like, mm-hmm. yeah. the answer is respect. Gay! <laughs> and then it pays off many, 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 many. Even in the episode, I'm like, it's still kind of gay. Even in the episode. It works. So uh, the other thing that maybe people who don't watch Community will remember for even longer, the episode opens with all the characters waking up, including Abed. Man, it's, I, I forget how surreal it is. It's like, we're back. <laughs> Basically saying he's renewed in front of the audience. Abed is a wonderful fourth, fourth wall-breaking character. And they show everyone waking up. And they showed Troy, played by Donald Glover, waking up in Spider-Man pajamas. And <laughs> this happened at the same time that... Sony announced Tobey Maguire's not back for more Spider-Man. We're going to do this with, with or without Marvel. Marvel movies are the best, and we're going to reboot this and get this going as soon as possible. And Donald Glover appears in Spider-Man pajamas. When, when, if you're reading comics, Miles Morales, the half black, half Puerto Rican Spider-Man, is more popular than Peter Parker. And like everyone's like, well, not everyone, obviously. Like, why don't you just have Donald Glover be the new Spider-Man? And... <laughs> I do the trajectory of Donald Glover. Do you remember he has a stand-up special? Yes, I listen to oh. it a lot, and it's fantastic. It's, it is so good. It's it, so funny. Like his whole bit about happy rap, and it's like <laughs> rap used to just be like, I went down to the store and I bought yes. myself a hat. Yes, I own a lot of Will Smith albums. <laughs> they say that to each other all the time. <laughs> every single, every single Fresh Prince song starts with "Well, I," and then he like points himself in a direction, and like it's awesome. 
Yes, I implore you to seek out Donald Glover's album oh, no, no. called Weirdo. I have it's it. It's so good. I have it. It's I'm a not one... imploring you. I'm imploring you. I think it's on Netflix now. It's called Weirdo. And this is... <sighs> Donald Glover didn't ask to be Spider-Man. He just showed up in Spider-Man, a Spider-Man costume when... <laughs> Spider-Man fans were used to seeing a black Spider-Man. Like, oh, this makes way more sense. Don't cast him the white guy. Cast Donald Glover. And uh, he has a stand-up special where he addresses this. Maybe this new Spider-Man, since they're making it so, you know, quickly after making these other Spider-Mans, maybe they should make it real different. You know, make it kind of like dark and edgy like the Dark Knight and put it in modern day times and stuff. And maybe, you know, Spider-Man, maybe he doesn't have to be white. Maybe he can be black or Hispanic or something like that. And then somebody put a big picture of me in the comments. It was like, Donald Glover can play Spider-Man. He's nerdy. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And somebody sent that to me. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll put that up. So I put it up on my Twitter and I was like, oh, Donald for Spider-Man, let's do this. You know, kind of joke. But also like, who doesn't want to be Spider-Man? That'd be cool. And that's when the world went crazy. <laughs> and half the world was like, Donald for Spider-Man. We're only going to watch the next Spider-Man of Donald Glover's playing Peter Parker. And the other half was like, he's black, kill him! Like, it was so... It's, it's, it's things like that I, I want to remember when I was in utter denial of the racism of America. Where, like, I'm, hmm. in, I'm in love with Donald Glover and Spider-Man. Like, yeah, this is... Why would you think about this one second more? Donald Glover should be Spider-Man. And the rest, and then I look at the rest of the world on Twitter, it's it's trending. They're freaking the fuck out. Spider-Man mm. can't be black. And like some of us try and tell them, like, Spider-Man already is black. <laughs> you're you're wrong. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 gone for like 50 issues already. You're right, wrong right. and you but, don't read comics. If if you take away this one white character, how many other characters do white people have to look up to? It was it was crazy. Only really not all of them. And it's well, like Megan Kelly says this. At least we get Santa Claus. I, I, I'm simultaneously nostalgic for that kind of outrage, but like we're still there. Like mm. we are still fucking there. And mm-hmm. like yeah, I think people would lose their mind if you change the race of even the worst fucking Marvel character. It would just <laughs> watching my girlfriend's relatives as I speak slowly in the mic uh, scream, <laughs> scream about like they're getting rid of Aunt Jemima that's it I'm like what do you mean that's it what? you don't care you don't buy her syrup if you buy syrup you buy it once a year and you, and you don't brand. give a shit yeah you, you buy it you buy it where like the cheapest one you can get you don't care but it made spider-man culture worry for the first time in my life it was bizarre and i remember watching this and like anybody who likes spider-man knows this is perfect oh yeah oh there are there are like 40 to 45 percent of people disagree and will kill me to disagree (laughs) Mm. like it it's it's just something I, i can barely remember and i was trying to be apolitical as shit during this period um, sorry, I didn't mean to bring that into a bad place, but like yeah. it's important but to remember. It all I was gonna say, mm-hmm. but it all comes full circle. Yeah. Because number one, Donald Glover does pop up in two Spider-Man movies. Yes. It one does officially, and then in the one with Miles Morales. It it does in Spider into the Spider-Verse, that clip of him getting up in the Spider-Man PJs is on the TV. Yes. It it does and it doesn't because no offense to the guy who played Miles Morales. Like, I love Donald Glover. I love Miles Morales. I love Spider-Man. I really would have liked to see that happen. And seven yeah. years to the day, this joke is acknowledged, <laughs> but not 
you have to really know what's happening in in Spider-Man Homecoming. Well, (laughs) it's too bad that Donald Glover never did anything after that. Just kidding. (laughs) He's awesome. We're not even talking about that. That Donald Glover has a stand-up special who has been mopey and beardo for like the last four years. Yeah, (laughs) but all do you blame him? No. yeah. <laughs> all of his albums are fa- as childish Gambino mm-hmm. and then as Donald Glover are all fantastic. Cul-de-sac is my favorite, but Camp is also very good and I have it on vinyl and I absolutely love it. I mean Donald Glover, he's just quite he's the, the best. vanguard. He's doing everything and doing it super weird and super fun. You haven't I even like, mentioned being the best yeah. SN like in the top tier SNL hosts of the oh, last a hundred percent. Like yeah. he still can remember how to be funny when he wants to. When he's not moping yeah, around I for just, his music. When when I I don't I didn't spot it the first time I watched Into the Spider Verse. I think it was the second or possibly third time through, and I realized that is the deepest cut. The yeah. people who were not around in 2010 are not going. He's to catch. He's, he's wearing his pajama, but like Spider Man yeah, always TV, starts. Mm-hmm. No, but I think it's in is it Miles's uncle's place? No, the, no, there's it, a TV on, yes. and it just for a second you see an animated version of the clip from community of him getting out of bed in the Spider-Man pajamas. But Spider-Man always starts out in his pajamas. And that's, that's how Donald Glover started out. It made the internet crazy. All they had to see was Donald Glover in Spider-Man pajamas. And like, this makes sense. And I was like, yeah, this makes sense. We should do this. But this made this to me separated the internet. If I I was Mm. super like, I don't tweet anymore. Cause like, I don't want to talk to half people who are terrible. Like, I, I didn't know that at the beginning. I thought I said something like that uh, in the beginning of the show. Like I, I, I had faith in the internet and like um, we'll democratize the shit out of this. And it, it made me not want to work in games and it made me not want to be on Twitter. And mm. it, before I, 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 there was five years where that was all so fun to me. And this is part of the reason like, huh? It's just a fun thing to think about. Like never like, no one said it was going to happen. Never, 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 never. There cannot be a black Spider-Man. Like, there already is. And if you cared about Spider-Man, you'd know that. And Yeah, and, and the existence of there being a black Spider-Man does not take away the existence of right. the white Spider-Man. Right. I, I, equality is not a pie. There is not a limited amount for everyone. True. Yeah, yeah. but that's what happens hey, when, you, when you suck on too many privileged popsicles. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Equality yeah, feels a lot like oppression. <laughs> anyway, you can hear more of that uh, those fancy liberal silings while hammered on uh, patreon.com slash laser time, where we also discuss the games in depth, which now in 2010 is a bigger deal because we got Civ Five. Sid Meier, Woo! Civilization. Diana knows Civ Five. I know Civilization. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, I, I love those kinds of games. But then, like, there's always one time where, like, I do exactly what I wanted and then I just walk away and never play them again like nope I accomplished what I wanted I built up my Zulu empire and we forcibly spread spread Judaism by the sword and I took over everybody and now yeah I'm never playing that again I won every woman who's written something that I wanted to read had the exact same (laughs) experience with Civ 5 I want to make a civilization and I want to walk away and pretend it doesn't exist while it burns Mm-hmm. I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it light a fire. That's the greatest evidence that God is a woman. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean you. Do you play Civ too? No, a tra- you're an Atreian Odyssey, the drowned city person, or a Blade Kitten, which is probably very <laughs> sensitive. That actually sounds right up my alley. Death Spank, th- yeah. Thongs of Virtue, uh, F1 2010, <laughs> and confusingly NHL 2011 come out this week. And new Carnival games. Let's see what. 
Let's see what people working in the games industry uh, have to say about new Carnival Carnival games 10 years after the fact. Uh, That was the, other than Nintendo games, that was the highest selling Wii game ever. And it was literally like, throw a dart, uh, hit a Uh, balloon. And like, do you get to do that? Like huge hammer thing? Yes. Yes. And it was, it was defined, redefining gaming for $50 a pop. We're like, if I had $50 at a fair, I would never do this virtually. (laughs) Like, like, what are you talking about? How can I win in like a mirror that has like an Aerosmith decal on it? <laughs> How can I... <laughs> that is almost it for the show. We have a, a, a death and life quiz coming up. <laughs> uh, Executor p- produced by people like Nick Creature and many of their fine folks at patreon.com slash laser time. Diana, you can talk from here now. <laughs> You're better at it. All right. Well, if you want to follow me, I am on Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. 302010 podcast and next week oh my god we have two of the most infamous television programs debuting really? of all time oh my one of them i know chris is a big fan of but was very condemned for its oh i don't know cavalier treatment towards breaking bones and hurting oneself hmm. and the right. other one is the worst idea for a TV show. <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm oh. going to go watch a bunch of it so I can report back. Is it still streamable? I'll find it. God damn it. Okay. You can't stop me. Oh, why would I want to? Let's mm. do there, it. There are very few, few things that like you think you don't know, but you know from a punchline that's happening yes. next week. Oh yeah. A punchline show is coming next week. <sighs> Anyway, so that's coming up in Celebrity Deaths. Nobody this week. Woo-hoo! I found nobody that died during these three weeks that we talked about. At least nobody huge. So if we got no deaths, we do have a birthday quiz. Oh, birthday. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. We have a good birthday quiz this week. Oh, boy. This is going to be tough. All right. Turning 70. He was born September 21st, 1950 in Evanston, Illinois. His dad died at age 46, leaving behind his mom and seven siblings. Letterman. No. Uh, It did lasting damage in that a bunch of them went into show business, including a sister who became a nun and toured with a one-woman show about St. Catherine of Siena. It's not Conan O'Brien. No. That's a good guess, though. But I just love that. That that was my second favorite tidbit about this person. Martin Sheen. No. Good guess, though. real Catholic. He's very careful. Uh, but anyway, he went to college for pre-med and dropped out almost immediately. And on his 20th birthday, was arrested for trying to smuggle 10 pounds of weed on a plane. Tim Allen. No. Nope. Uh, Eric yeah. Idle. Nope. Jimmy uh, Buffett. Now, he only got probation for smuggling 10 pounds of weed. And this is why we need to reform our drug laws. Because if he had gone to prison for a felony, he would not be in 19 movies that we have talked about. What? Now, if I told you the names of these movies, it might be too easy. So we are going to go with the characters he played first. Okay. Okay. All right. He played Jack Corcoran, Wallace Ritchie, and Tommy Crickshaw. I got nothing. Also, The Businessman, Agent 13, Kenneth Bowden, and Clive Badger. So not Timothy Oliphant. No. Mm. He's not 70. I know. Yeah. But he... Come on, man. Okay. How about Arthur Denton, Grimm, Polonius, and himself? Oh, oh uh, Gary Oldman. Nope. Fuck. Uh, Tim Roth. John Malkovich. Nope. Frank Quinn. Mayor Cole. Himself again. Not John Malkovich. Okay. Not John Malkovich. He plays himself a lot. (laughs) That's true. Uh, 
How about Herman Bloom or Ernie McCracken? Not John Malkovich? No. Or Frank Cross? Or Garfield? Kevin Spacey? Lorenzo Music. Bill Murray. Bill Murray. There we go. I can't believe the only one I didn't get to was Dr. Peter Venkman. I got to Lorenzo Music before Bill Murray. Names, I am like, shocked. Tickled my brain. Like I knew yeah. them. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. I I figured by Frank Cross, someone would have jumped in. Anyway, those were his characters from <gasps> Larger Than Life, Man Who Knew Too Little, Cradle Rock, Darcy <laughs> Limited, Get Smart, Wild Things, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Little Shop of Horrors, Quick Change, Hamlet, <gasps> Space Jam, Get Low, City of Ember, Zombieland, Kingpin, Rushmore, Scrooge, Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties, and Ghostbusters Two. Happy 70th birthday, Bill Murray. I'm glad you're not in prison. Woohoo! So we talked about two movies with outstanding uses of music. I figure we need to go out with something from Goodfellas. Now, Layla Piano Exit Mm -hmm. seems like an obvious choice, but Jump Into the Fire by Nilsson is the music of being chased by helicopters. I'm leaving it to you, Di, because, like, they're they're both really funny. Like, they're both really... Whenever I'm, like, driving around and, like, cursing at traffic lights... I think about <laughs> jump into the fire. <laughs> God, they close in ten minutes. <laughs> um, like, uh, but 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 Layla is like the perfect close. It's the weirdest. It really it's one of the weirdest songs ever. And I remember mm-hmm. asking my dad, and like, oh, Eric Clapton. I'm like, is that Eric Clapton? And he's like, yeah, it's Dirk and the Dominoes. I'm like, fucking fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Like that that doesn't say Eric Clapton. Also, why are there two songs in this one song and they still play it that way in the radio? It's well, also to go back to what we were talking about with Almost Famous. That was also a time period where like all the bands were extremely incestuous. So everyone was in each other's band. Yeah. So like when you figured out like, oh, yeah. Dirk and the Dominoes, same thing oh, as I, think, I thought you were Eric talking Clapton. about Eric Clapton's wife. <laughs> Also that. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, this, is a, this is a song about Eric Clapton wanting to sleep with his best friend's wife. Sure. And then he did. Ugh. And they were friends forever. Yeah. It's fine. They cool. seriously were. They seriously were. Yeah, Patty Boyd. She inspired three of the greatest love songs of all time. Uh, something Wonderful Tonight and Layla. Damn. Not bad. Not bad at Not all. Bad. Penny Lane is jealous. <laughs> we're gonna, going out with Layla? Let's go out. Let's go out.